Hello everyone, you are going to be listening to Sports with Phil, episode 7. In this episode, we are going to bring back my friend and fraternity brother, diehard Yankee fan, Jason. I hope that you will enjoy this episode. In this episode, we are going to be discussing the New York Yankees' hot start. They are 8-1 to start the season off. We discuss how they've looked, we discuss what they will look like for the upcoming weeks, and we also just got to discuss the rest of baseball as a whole. The coronavirus is currently impacting teams around the league. We discuss if that means a cancellation in the season or a pause in the season. We do not know yet for sure. But we are also going to discuss how the DH has affected the National League so far this season. We talk about the rest of baseball as a whole. We discuss who would you look at as the face of baseball right now, Aaron Judge or Mike Trout. And we also just have to discuss the Houston Astros post-trash can, basically. Yes, we're saying that's what it is, the post-trash can Houston Astros. And also, before we get into this episode, I did a recording with one of my friends, sorority sister and pledge sister, Samantha Finley. She just wrote a new book. It's on Amazon right now. It's called Shades. It's basically a poetry book, but I really hope that you enjoy it. She worked so hard on it, so I did a quick two-minute interview with her about the book and everything like that, where to buy it. So I hope you go and support her. Please listen to where you can find it. You know, I'm going to put it probably in the probably at the end of this episode, I want to say. So just so you know, the book is called Shades. It's all on Amazon. Buy it now. Please support her. Please, please support her. And I hope that everybody listening enjoys this episode, goes and buys Shades, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Sports with Phil. What's up, Phil? How you doing? All right. So this is the second attempt that we're trying at this one now because now the (laughs) weather is a lot better. There's no wind. There's no nothing to knock any Wi-Fi out. So that's good. Yes, definitely. All right. So when we, I'm just basically going to introduce everything again. So when we first started off the podcast, we just wanted to just talk about the Yankees' eight and one start. So, like we were saying earlier, is this surprising to you, or is this actually kind of something that you expected? I expected it, but not to this degree, because I mean, when you look at the lineup, you know, in the past years for the Yankees, it's been all these fill-in guys who are doing the work, like DJ LeMahieu, Luke Voigt, Talkman. Um, Mike Ford, you know, uh, Higashioka. But now you get the stars hitting, the big dogs, like Aaron Judge, Stanton, both of them in OPS over one. DJ LeMahieu is now a, an established star for the Yankees. He already was before the Yankees. Now he's an established superstar, and he's killing it too. Gio Urshela, who's become established, now is killing it. And I really like where this lineup is going. You know, like the line, that's the lineup we've had the last couple of days with Talkman and Hicks and Stanton. And and Gary Sanchez is the only one who has not gotten going, but it doesn't matter. We're still winning. We're eight and one. Still yes, winning. Yes, I agree. I, you know what? I agree. And that's and and it's so crazy because you know we all we all know Gary Sanchez's potential. You know we all know what he can be. We saw it in 2016. We saw it in 2017. And it's like 2018 was like probably was literally the worst year of his entire career so far. And in but even then, his defense was so much better in 20, last year than it was. Like, oh yeah, compared to recent years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's just it, it sucks because, you know, what? the, my, the biggest problem with Sanchez and, and I, I'm pretty sure you can probably agree with it. Is he's just so impatient, in my opinion. He wants to literally. Hit, I, think, I think he has this mentality of he feels like when he steps up to the plate, he feels like he has to drive in a home run or he has to drive a bomb. He doesn't have to do that. And you know what? If he took some batting tips from Judge or Stanton of just taking some pitches, which, you know what? I can tell that even. In some of his at-bats in the past few games, I didn't really see it much last night. But in that Boston series, I could tell he was definitely imp- trying to improve it in some ways because he was working the counts. That's something that we haven't seen from Sanchez yet this year. And all we need from Gary Sanchez 
is we don't need him to hit home runs. And that's the same thing. I, I, I say the same thing about guys like Stanton and Judge, too, like we say about pitchers. We said this about Cole. If you can get pitchers out or a pitcher can get someone out, that's all I care about. I don't care about strikeouts or anything like that. As long as you're getting guys out, it's all I care about. And it's the same thing I feel about with offense. You know, LeMahieu doesn't have to hit 20-something home runs like he, you know, isn't used to doing, but he did it last year. But guess what? As mm-hmm. long as they can drive in runs and play some small ball, I'm totally okay with that. It's all about the team sport. It's a very team-oriented sport. You know, you got to drive each other in and not do too much at the plate, like you said. Like, you know, if you can do that at the plate, go right ahead like Stan and Judge have been doing. But Gary Sanchez, I mean, he he only has two hits so far. Mm-hmm. It's it's in, in 14 strikeouts. Half of his at-bats are strikeouts. Yes. He has an 80 batting average, 268 OPS. It's not like he's getting in walks. He's got one walk. It's it's just one of those things, you're right, where he's having more patient at the plate. He's to take better pitches, stop chasing outside the zone. And obviously that's easier said than done as a baseball player because you really never know what's coming anymore, especially with all the speed on these balls now. Yes. But, I mean, you got to just take your time, you know. And it's you got to be more serious about it because I know he got a hit the other day, and I saw that he was, like, calling for the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, Saying like saying he wanted it. Yes. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's cool to joke around, but I mean, bro, it's one of your first hits. You gotta be serious about this. You know, you really gotta like get your head in the zone, like Michael Jordan type stuff. Like, you gotta like have that killer mama mentality. Yeah. And I, I don't think he has it right now. I think he's a little out of it. I think yeah, and that's the thing too, is that where someone like Gary Sanchez, like I said, we've seen his potential. I mean, I always remember in twenty sixteen when he just came up and he was just absolutely dominating. I mean, I remember going to just a regular home game against the Orioles in 2016. And I just remember every single time Sanchez up was up at the plate. I honestly expected a home run. And when I was there, he had a home run against the Orioles. I just remember it. And, and, you know, it's crazy because in my head, I was like, you know what? If Sanchez can keep doing this for as long as he can, he's going to be a, probably a better Yankee than Posada was a catcher. And I think it's all the scrutiny though. Like he gets a lot of hate. And he's very impatient. And also, he now at the time, I remember he was DHing more often. Mm-hmm. Now that he's got to be a catcher, he's got to deal with all these pitchers. And it's a lot. It, being catcher is really hard. But, I mean, I mean, it's just the inconsistency and the impatience at the plate. It's just it's hard to defend at this point because we've been expecting him to go off for so long. You know, we finally have Judge Stanton doing good. If we can get that, that three-headed monster, the Kraken, Stanton, Judge, Sanchez. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's literally just an unstoppable barrage of balls leaving the yard. I mean, it would, it would literally be like Stanton's quote coming to life of, you know, feeling sorry for the baseballs, basically. And, you know, the thing that's crazy for me is I look at it in the sense of, like, everybody in, on, in this lineup right now, you know, Brett Gardner, I think it, it's it's kind of, I it's sad to say, expected of him to definitely be seeing a decline. I mean, he gets older and older and He's on one-year deals now, basically, with the Yankees. I'm yeah. pretty, he's going to retire a Yankee. I don't see him playing anywhere else, honestly. No, no. And, and, and the thing about it is it's expected of him, in my opinion, with Gardner. I mean, and, and that's why people have been calling for, listen, we love Gardner. We love what he did for us. You know, he, he won a World Series with us in 2009. He's a, he's, a Yankee till, he's a Yankee to the heart, basically, and to the grave and everything like that. But you have to start to move on in a sense, you know, you have to get guys like Talkman and Frazier into that left field spot because you know what? Talkman the other day, we, we, we both, you know, we both saw this too on Sunday. That the that the Yankees won that game. And sure. I give a lot of credit to the Yankees winning that game on Sunday, primarily due 
to not just LeMahieu driving in Talkman, but Talkman being able to snag second base and get him into perfect scoring position. And he's a very fast player. So LeMahieu hitting an opposite field base hit just got Talkman in so easily. And I feel like that moment wasn't really looked at enough because the judge home run that gave them the lead in the bottom of the eighth was just kind of, it was almost like that Talkman steal was just immediately looked over. And it, it's it's so dangerous too because like that that small ball, you know the Yankees are so good at they can they can hit for power, they can hit for small ball, mm-hmm. and you know what's funny actually, I I'll never forget this. So last year when the Yankees were going into the series against the Twins in the playoffs, yes, the one that they swept, I told Michael Kay, I was in the Mechachay show, I called him in. Oh really? I told him, I said, I, yeah, I swear. I said Michael, both of these teams hit for serious power, which is gonna happen no matter what. I think whichever team plays better small ball is going to win the series. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Yankees they can do both. Them with home they runs. can do both. Yeah, and looking at that game on Sunday, I remember I texted you. I said like, "Wow, that steal by Talkman was beautiful." DJ hits him with a nice single up the middle, and then you cap it off with a home run. Bat, you know, three great at bats in a row yes. in the in the clutch time. That's something that you just you can't teach these players anymore. And then, you know, it's just it's the clutch gene. See, and it's crazy too because I, I was texting uh, Marcello the other day, and and we were talking about just the depth that this the depth that this team has, and you know, it's kind of it, it sucks because the team is so good depth wise, and some of these players on this team could be like, and and you know, you hear people on ESPN or MLB Network say some of these guys that the Yankees have in their depth could be batting in the middle of the order on some other teams. You know, they, they're, so, they're so deep in depth-wise. Yeah. Anybody on this team, you know, that's sitting on the bench could definitely be still starting for a team and batting middle or top of the order. And on any other team, you know, and, and you know, people have been saying it's crazy that in a span of literally a year, we looked at Miguel and Duhar at third base as literally like possibly this untouchable piece. Like, no, he is definitely part of this baby bomber Yankee future along with Torres and you know, obviously, he was going to be a part of this core with, with, with Judge and Stan and everything like that. Now we're looking at Miguel and Duhar and saying, like, okay, he was he could have improved at third base, and we're starting to play him in left field, and he's probably never going to play third base again because Gio Urshela has just come in here oh, and, and totally dominated, just come out of nowhere, right. in my opinion. And it's funny because we everyone always knew Gio was a good third baseman. He was even, uh, like, a... a, a, a a sub piece for the Indians when they were going to the World Series and competing for titles. Now he is a full-fledged great third baseman. He's a top five third baseman probably. Definitely top ten, maybe top five arguably like A-Rod said the other day. Yes. Uh, A-Rod is definitely the best third baseman in the American League. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. There's a man named Arenado. You know, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. Arenado, I wouldn't confront Arenado him. Arenado is probably the best third baseman in all baseball. He, he is. Been, he is the best third baseman. I have in fantasy. He's not doing that great so far, actually, for me. Uh, he had a home he run really tonight, and he had a home run last night. No. The last week, he's done really good. Let me tell you your stats. So, in the last week, he's 7 for 27 with two home runs. Before that, he was uh, the 2 for 9 mm. the week before. No, not even. He was like 1 for 11. Mm-hmm. So, even worse. So, it, it wasn't a pretty week for, for like, the start of the season. But um, I do have faith. I do have faith in him. Oh, I got you. But um, yeah, G. Urshela, oh my goodness, just just dominating, monster. just dominating. Yeah, I mean, offensively now he's he. So there's four players in the Yankees with over a one OPS so far in the season: mm-hmm. Mayhew, Judge, Stanton, and Urshela. Yeah, you know, it's almost it's almost insane because those were the you know one of them is you know one of them's expected with Lemayhew and 
that was obviously expected. You know, he's batting. He's probably batting over 400 now. If he's not, he's very close to it, I'm sure. You know, mm-hmm. Urshela is someone who, like we said, just came out. He's trying to prove. Urshela, in my opinion, has a lot to prove, too, because Urshela's trying to show people, yeah. like, guess what? You thought I was probably just going to be this player in 2001 year who, you know, he has this great year, and then the next he's just a fluke. You know, Urshela's trying to prove to everybody I'm not a fluke. Like I'm a legit. Yeah, I'm not just I'm a defense. legit player. I'm not just defense. Mm-hmm. I'm a legit you know, player. Because the one guy that we used to have, Danny Echeverria, he's another guy who we thought like, oh, he's going to be a third baseman sub. And then we thought about that about that Urshela, but now the bats here, and you can't ignore him. He's one of the three Yankees who played all nine games. He's a solid piece of third base. He makes amazing. He makes all the amazing plays too, which is like big for me. All these like are thrown across his body oh my in God. the foul territory. He has the best arm of a third baseman, like the Yankees have had probably since A Rod. Yeah, I, I almost it's, I it's couldn't insane. agree more with that. I mean, because we look Definitely. at Andujar, and Duhar had so much problems at third base. I mean, I always remember going field. Yeah, he he can't do it in field. I mean, he always just had problems at third base, and that was like his position. And he and you know, it's always crazy because even when he did work on it, it still almost was like it's like it never showed. And I always remember I went to I went to Fenway two years ago. It's almost it's been a full two years now where I went to Fenway and you know, it was the last game of that four game set where the Red Sox swept the Yankees. And I just remember bottom nine, two outs, runners at the corners or runners at second and third. And I just remember and Duhar got a, 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 a he got a ball come right at him. And I thought, yes, that's it. Game over. He's going to throw him out. And, and, he, oh. and it was just was bobbled. And I was like, how? I mean, you were there for that? Blamed on the first baseman, you know, but from what I just recall, I was like, how? Like, how? Yeah. It could have been a routine play. That was the end of the game. I went shadow was pissing. Oh, my god! I left. I remember me and my dad, we, we literally, our hotel, our, because there's there's very, like, close hotels to Fenway. So, we stayed at a hotel literally right next to Fenway. So, you could walk. You could walk to the mm-hmm. hotel from Fenway. And I literally remember just looking at my dad, and I was like, let's go. I, ca- I can't stay here anymore. This is just painful. They just blew a three-run lead in the bottom of the ninth. Like, I can't do this. I couldn't That's... even. I couldn't even fathom knowing that. That whole game almost, they were basically dominating them, and it was four to one, and they were going to the bottom of the ninth, and they just blew it. And I was like, "How? Like, just how does this happen?" That's tragic. I remember that game. I remember watching that game. Yeah, it's sad, you know. And you know, I, I really don't see a spot for him at DH. I don't. Or either. definitely not left field. Definitely not left field. We have Tarpin, Gardner, Frazier. If you want to call him up, you could call yeah, Frazier. and Stanton, Stanton. If you want to take him up out of the DH, put him in the field for one game. There's too many left fielders. DH, there's too many DHs. I I mean, see, when we were talking about trading uh, Andrew Hart and a package for Machado, remember that? Yes. That was a big conversation yes, a few years ago. I Now I'm on board. I wasn't on board then. But now if, I'm yeah, on if board. we knew what was going to transpire, we would literally say pull the trigger right now and get Machado for Andrew Hart. I wouldn't, tra- I wouldn't trade for Machado, honestly. I think he's too much money. Compared to Urshela. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, yeah. I, would, say, absolutely. Yeah. I think Urshela's better right now. I oh, mean, I, I believe so, too. I mean, Machado – see, the thing about Machado is Machado is definitely a great shortstop slash third baseman. But I think Machado – and I and I, I think we can all agree to this, too. In Once he got to L.A. in 2018, and, and, and I saw this huge problem with him, and he said it, too, was he didn't like to hustle. He didn't really like to run out big plays. He really was just so into his own head, you know. And this is a big problem, too, in the MLB right now. Obviously, players love to hit home runs. And when they hit home runs that they think is a no-doubter, 
they'll think it's a no doubt. They'll just slowly trot to first. And then when they realize it's still in play, you know, they can only hustle to a double when they could have probably hustled to a triple. And Cooney did that in the playoffs. Remember that? Who did that in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Acuna. Machado, Machado did that. Acuna did it too. Yes. He, yeah. You're right. Acuna did that. Uh, you know, Machado did that. Acuna did that. And, and Springer, if I'm not mistaken, did that in last probably. year's World Series. And, you know, and that's a problem with the league. But, you know, what? I'm not going to sit here and be someone who's like all negative about that stuff. You know, obviously, it's the, the slogan for the MLB is let the kids play and all that stuff. You know, let the kids have fun, let them play and everything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and, and be a negative person about that. If you think you hit a no doubt bomb like Batista in 2015, go ahead and show it. You know, it's the same thing. If you if you think you hit a bomb, you know, go ahead and flaunt it. No one's going to sit here and, and be mad at you for it, but people are going to be mad if it realizes that. Yeah, it better go over that fence. Yeah. It better go over that fence. It better go over that <laughs> fence. You're right. You're absolutely right. It better go over that fence. So Speaking of Springer, mm-hmm. I want to ask you something. Okay. Well, looking at these Astro stats, what are your thoughts so far? You know. Have you seen them? Yes, of course. Yeah, it's on Twitter every See? single day. It's, on it's disgusting. It's, it's, it's disgusting. literally, you know what? And, and something where it's like, you don't feel bad at all. You don't. You, no. you, you don't. You, you literally see it. And, and you know what? And sometimes, you know, if this was, if we were still living with the trash cans and everything like that, and then possibly the buzzers, and they were off to this bad of a start, and we didn't even know about any of that stuff, we think, wow, they're just really getting off to a slow start. <laughs> but now we're looking at it from a sense of, did they really were they really only good because they cheated? I mean, Springer is just having a very, he's having a very, very bad start. A very bad start. Altuve is even worse. Oh, Altuve is bad. And and the same thing with Bregman. I mean, think here's the thing too is Bregman, especially it's, it's even worse for him because Bregman is the type of player who we all know this too. He, I, and, and it's so funny because earlier today I was watching highlights from the 2018 MLB All-Star Game at Washington in, in, in Nationals Park. And Alex Bregman won All-Star Game MVP. And in his post-game interview, you know, he's getting interviewed. And he's like, you know, you, you, you won a World Series with Houston last year in 2017. Your All-Star Game MVP you hit the go-ahead home run in the 10th inning. Like, how are you feeling right now? And he's basically saying stuff all about how, oh, you know, we've really had a good run. You know, we've been such a good team the past two years so far. And, and it's funny because I just I just can't help but laugh as I'm watching this. I'm like, this is all before we knew what they really were. And I, mm-hmm. I just can't help but laugh about it. And seeing that, and, and it's so bad because you don't want to feel like good about yourself when you see it. But I can't help but not feel bad when something bad happens to them. You know, there's this whole thing now about Verlander, how he might require Tommy. He might need Tommy John with a forearm strain, you know. Uh-huh. And you told me before about Acuna. You know, I like Acuna, um, Osuna. Yes. He's done for the season. They're, yeah, they're now. saying that Dusty Baker was saying it looks really bad. They're, they think he thinks it could be really bad, his injury. And, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, I, I, I hate to be that kind of person. You know, people are saying, like, oh, you, you're that kind of person who, like, wishes injury. I never would wish injury on a player or a person, anything like that. But people like, you know, people like the Houston Astros, a lot of people are just not going to feel bad for them. No, I, I don't feel sympathy for them. I mean, you know, I hope they get better. You know, I really – I hope, like – I wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. But, I mean, like, seeing this now, it's just like, damn, man, what were they doing? Like, were they really, like – they were ruining careers. You know, Kershaw, he was already known as a playoff choker. But after he lost to Houston, I mean, his postseason career was basically done. 
Yeah. I mean, it was over at that point. You know, Springer, Guriel, you know, they really ruined him. Oh, and, I, I believe it. And you, you know, look at all these guys. And there's some guys, I, I, like, we know how talented they are. We know how good Bregman is, you know, Tuve, and even Correa and Springer. But then you look at their stats now, and it's just like, you guys are really, like, off this bad of a start. And they, their schedule hasn't even been, like, hard. Like, okay, they played the Dodgers. But they played the Mariners. They played the Angels. Yeah, Mariners and Angels. The Angels and Mariners are two of the worst teams, you know, in that division. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's inexcusable to be doing this bad. Like, to say, like, the cameras didn't help you that much. Like, I, I don't remember exactly what they said, but, like, you know, I'm sure that, like, there were some quotes. I, I remember them, like, kind of, like, saying that they would have won anyway. And oh, where, yeah. where is that? Where is that? Like, where is it so far? You're 5-4 and four so far. Like, start showing us some time. Like, yeah, something and, and like. you know what? It's, it's crazy, too, because you think about it. You know, they, they always said that, like, and, and this is the thing, too, is they always talked about how they won fairly. They think they would have won fairly and everything like that. And like you just said, like, well, well, show us then that you would have won fairly. Yeah. Go out we'll there. We'll never know. No. If they were, if they were that good of a team, they would be embarrassing these opponents like they did the past, you know, two or three years. You know, into that, you know, when the Mariners finally beat them last week, it had been the first game in like over like 15, 16 games that the Mariners had beaten the Astros, and you know, and this is the thing is that the Mariners. We're, we're not just losing to the Astros. They were getting embarrassed by the Astros. And the fact that they, you know, finally beat the Astros, it was like, okay, even though it was one game, it's not like the Mariners were getting embarrassed in the prior two games, you know, before that. They were getting close to beating the Astros, and the Astros were just coming back. So people were thinking to themselves, okay, you know what? It's definitely possible that the Astros were just a really good team and that they really didn't need anything to cheat. They were just that good, but the cheating was definitely an advantage. Now we're seeing it in the sense of all of these batting averages that Altuve and Bregman and Springer have, Correa obviously being the best of them. But like we said, we're seeing those three in particular. Those three were very, very key pieces to the 2017 to 2019 Astros, you know, two pennants and one World Mm -hmm. Series rank. And the thing that we're seeing is, if they are a very, very bad team this season, like, let's just say, God forbid, they finish, like, second place, you know, not win the division if they lose it to, you know, I'm not saying they're going to lose the AOS because the AOS is just dominated by the Astros regardless. But if they don't have a, a lot of wins and they just barely win the AOS, people are going to say, yeah, I really think it was it was the fact that they had trash cans. I, I mean, I think Oakland is really good. But they're the only threat. I mean, the Angels hitting has not gone underway. Otani's done for the year. Trout might be done for the year very soon. Mm-hmm. And then he got Rendon. Rendon's on an island by himself with a team of terrible pitchers. Mm-hmm. So I do think they will win games in their own division. They're actually stomping right now in the Diamondbacks. Um, but, I mean, okay, there's, they're winning 8-1 to one right now, right? Yes. Altuve is 1-5. for five. Springer is 1-3 for three with a few RBIs. Bregman's one for four. Guriel is one for four. Correa's two for two. He's having a great game. He's been having. Redick he's the only four. one who's been dominating on that team. Yeah, they're not, they're not like they're winning eight to one right now. But I mean, okay, you know, two one hit and five at bats. That's a, that's a that's a not so great game. That's a good game because you got like one hit, an RBI, and a run. But, but for Altuve, it's not good. Yeah, for like the Altuve that we always like, we we knew and loved. As a Yankee fan, I didn't like them, but I respected them. 
now, as a baseball fan, I don't respect them. As a Yankee fan, I despise them. Uh-huh. And I'm starting to think that they're not as good as I think they are. I you know, know, especially oh, yeah. the, the Celtics are getting used to. And they do have talent, and they're in an easier division. But unless they absolutely dominate, like dominate, dominate, I'm going to say that everything was a fluke. Oh, and it, I, was all, I, it was all the cheating. I completely, completely agree with you. And, and they don't win at least 40 games. Oh, yeah, at least win, I'm not, win 40. I'm not, at least 40. Yeah. If you win 40, we'll say, you know what, all right, you, you are a pretty good team. Yeah, you're, you're a good right. team. You're a good team. You know, but if you win, like, let's say 36, 37 games, people are going to say, okay, w- what was that? And what was that? That's yeah, all you know, especially, in an, especially in an easy division, too. Like, they're, like looking at the other teams in the division right now, it's, it's not crazy. Like, they have to play against the, di- the, the, the athletics – and the Dodgers are the really good teams you got to play against. Yeah. The Giants are kind of up and coming, but other than like other than the Athletics and the Dodgers, there's no reason you should lose to these teams. Mm-hmm. There is none. No. So I want to get to a different topic because we're on the we're on the subject of the AL West. So and you, you mentioned Mike Trout. So a big thing that people have been debating in recent a, a few days. I've seen it on the MLB Network. Mark DeRosa said this of of MLB Central. So. He calls Aaron Judge the face of baseball, while others say that it's Mike Trout. So, your opinion. Now, you have to look at this thing before we get into this. Mike Trout definitely plays for a smaller market team, like the Los Mm -hmm. Angeles Angels, who have only won one World Series title. They, the last time they went to the playoffs was 2014. It's the only time that Mike Trout's been in the playoffs. Aaron Judge has been on the Yankees since 2016, but his breakout season was obviously, you know, his rookie, actual rookie season was 2017, and he's been, uh, he's made it to the playoffs every year since being with the Yankees. So, and he's, and obviously also, he's led number one in jersey sales, and I'm not, and this is all facts, this is not biasism, this is all just straight facts that I'm giving. So your opinion, if you had to choose right now as the face of baseball, who would you say? Is it number 99 in New York, or is it number 27 in, in Los Angeles? Well, See, there's a difference between the face and the best. The face of baseball, you could argue, is a lot of people. You could argue, argue Trout and Judge. You could argue Bellinger. You could argue Yelich, Acuna. I would probably argue Judge. And mm-hmm. obviously, like you said, the small market team in Los Angeles does not help Mike Trout. Aaron Judge is on the Yankees. The, the no doubt best franchise in the history of any sport yes is the yankees yeah absolutely and they, they're they're i think they're with the second most money right now behind the cowboys who are also pretty big mm-hmm. aaron judge and also you gotta think about it too baseball is shifting in a whole new era of home runs and strikeouts oh yeah it's absolutely. not it's not small ball anymore it's becoming small ball with this new 60 day schedule but i mean in the regular season it's about home runs and strikeouts you know mm-hmm. power pitching versus power hitting you don't see a lot of stolen bases. You don't see a lot of average guys. You don't see a lot of guys going for a bunt, steal, a small ball. You know, it's it's home run or nothing. Oh, like yeah. Aaron Judge is one of those guys. And I would agree that Aaron Judge is the face of baseball. I would say he's probably, like, the number one guy because, I mean, the home runs, the diving plays, it's amazing. What you can't you? argue – you can't say he's a better player than – Mike, I think Mike Trout, in my opinion, is the best player I've ever seen in my lifetime. I, I agree. I think, I I think he's going to be a top five player of all time. Like, by the end of his career. I think he's already top 20, top 10. Mm-hmm. I think he will be top five by the, by the time he's retired. Again. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, too, is, you know, I people, 
you know, when when healthy, both of those guys are must watch baseball. Yeah. Both when both of them are fully healthy, you know, no problems with them whatsoever. Those two are literally the best players to watch in baseball. And and I mm-hmm. and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm going to say people. I always remember the debate in 2000, you know, 10. 2011 when those when you know the top two rated prospects in all of baseball were Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and everybody was debating on you know who's probably the more or probably going to be the more successful player and this is the thing is you know I I, I don't I don't really like Bryce Harper I don't like his attitude I think he's I feel like he's got a lot a little bit of a cocky attitude and I think he likes to overhype himself a lot and he's just a he's just a jerk in my opinion when it comes to playing baseball you know just just Mm -hmm. the way he presents himself on the field he's not the way to put it is he's not a role model that you want no he's not the role model you want to provide to say a a young kid playing baseball you know obviously I get it he's got a lot of fire in him and when he hits a big home run he'll definitely show it off but he's getting paid 13 330 million dollars for 13 years in this contract with the Philadelphia Phillies and in his first year with them, they were just totally awful. And and who knows mm-hmm. what route they're going this season in this sixth game set. And with mm-hmm. Mike and with Mike Trout, obviously the only problem with Mike Trout is that the Angels just haven't built a team around him at, at any at, at all. That's no, their problem. Haven't. That's their problem. Is is no. Mike Trout is such a good player, and the only reason why people don't sit here and, and criticize Trout is because they know that the Angels have just done nothing to provide him with any sort of backup or anything like that. Harper's been on some pretty good teams. You know, Harper in his first year in 2012, I mean, the Nationals were the best team. And in 2013, I don't think they they didn't make the playoffs. 2014, they lost to the Giants. 15, they missed the playoffs. 16, they lost to the Dodgers. And 17, they lost to the Cubs. And 18, they missed the playoffs. And then Harper left. And it was like, you know, you sat there and you thought to yourself, and then in 2019, when the Nationals won the World Series, everybody said to themselves, was it really Bryce Harper? That was the problem that was holding them back. No, yeah, you know, that I, was, totally a, and, and it was like a legitimate question that people asked themselves is, 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 you know, is, was Bryce Harper really the reason why the Nationals are being held back? Like, was it his attitude? Was it his, his play? You know, what was it? And, and it's, it was, a, like I said, it was a legitimate question that people had asked themselves, you know, when the Nationals won the World Series. And in your opinion, you ha- you know, I'm going to ask you this. In your opinion, would you start a team, if you could start a team right now, are you taking Mike Trout or are you taking Bryce Harper? Easily Trout. That's not even a question. Harper had, what, two or three really good years. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the attitude. I mean, I think, you know, obviously he's a great defender. But Trout is Trout is just the overall better player. I don't think you can argue. I don't think Bryce Harper's a top five player anymore. I I always thought that it was him and Trout for the best. I thought there was one year where, where Harper was the best player in the league. It, he it, I think it was far and beyond he was the best player that year. But I mean, since that year, I mean, he's only had two seasons over thirty home runs, and those are the last two years. So, I, I think he's a little overrated. A little overhyped. He's a great defender. He's a really good hitter when he when he's when he's on. Mm-hmm. But he's not this monster of a player. He's not, you know, he, he you know, when he's when he's on, he's on. But I mean, overall, he's not better than Judge. Um, I think Yelich is better. Yes, I would say Judge is better. I would say Acuna is probably better. Aaron Nado. There's a lot of guys that had him now. I think he had two really good two really good years. Now is it? 
Honestly. Yeah, I, 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 I can't help but agree with you. And, and I would say he was like around the tw- like top, like maybe like 20 to 25 best player in the league, but not the level of Trout and Judge. No, definitely not. And, and it shows. And, and you know what? It's crazy, too, because the other day it, and, it, and it's almost insane to say this, but the other day when when we were playing last night against the Phillies and, and Cole was pitching, you know, I, I thought to myself this. I think I had more fear in Didi coming up to the plate against Cole than I did with Trout, uh, with uh, not Trout, uh, Harper coming up against Cole, which is kind of weird, but I had more fear in Didi. I could see that because, I mean, Didi, you know, coming back to Yankee Stadium, you know, and he almost, remember, I don't remember this, but in the playoffs last year when the Yankees were playing the Astros, um, Didi was about five feet away from hitting a, a go-ahead three-run home run on Cole. So I remember that. I'll never forget that moment because if he, if he would have hit that home run, the Yankees were going to win that game in the series. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it didn't happen. So I'm, I was a little scared of Didi because, like, like like I said, coming back to Yankee Stadium, Joe Girardi's first time back at Yankee Stadium as a coach. He already know Didi, you know, Didi, and very good coach in Joe Girardi. But, I mean, yeah, you got to be a little afraid of Harbor. But you're right. I would probably be a little more afraid of Didi at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, I would not say Didi's a better player than Harper. No, obviously. He's a, he's a shortstop. Like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm basing it on No, all yeah. Like, I'm As a Yankees fan, I'm a little scared. Like, yeah. the, like we know what Didi's capable of. You know, we're going to see it tomorrow. I think we're playing two games against them tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure Didi's going to pull some down the line. I won't be surprised. No, definitely not. I mean, Didi's definitely – Didi's a great player. Didi's always been the type of player, you know, who who's always just – I feared Didi a lot, you know, coming into uh, – you know, I feared Didi coming into this game uh, last night. I really thought that he was going to be uh, like a threat. And and you know what? He almost was. You know, if that sixth inning when Cole was just at his last out, I mean, before the rain delay, Garrett Cole definitely, uh, he he just, he worried me at that moment just because I didn't know what Didi was going to do. Like I said, we know what Didi Gregorius is capable of. And we know that when Didi played at home, I mean, in front of fans, Didi was, if there if there had been a full crowd in attendance Yesterday, I mean, everybody said it. Didi Gregorius would have gotten this huge standing ovation if oh there had been goodness. a crowd. He would have I gotten, can't even imagine. He would have gotten more and more of an ovation than Joe Girardi would have. There's no doubt. Yeah, definitely. And Joe Girardi won us a World Series, and I think Didi Gregorius would have gotten a bigger ovation. They both would have gotten big ones, but yeah, definitely Didi. He stole the hearts of the fans everywhere. He was he was the guy. Yeah, he really, he was the guy for the Yankees. He he, he was the guy that he didn't fill the shoes obviously of Jeter. But, I mean, he was, like, the guy right after Jeter, and he got our hearts. And we, we got more out of Didi than we ever could have imagined he could have given us. Oh, we – I mean, I no. remember when Didi was acquired back all the way in 2014. I mean, you know, people were like, all right, this is, the, this is I guess, the replacement to Jeter. And everybody was like, okay, but, like, is he really the replacement to Jeter? Like, is he going to bring us five World Series ranks? No, we didn't expect that. But he definitely led us – to this promised land of every – well, not promised land, but he definitely every single year being a New York Yankee, his average went up, his home runs went up, his RBIs went up. Didi Gregorius improved dramatically as a player playing for the New York Yankees. Yeah, he was a staple in the runs from 2017 to 2019, and 2016 years good. You know, a great arm at short, made some pretty amazing acrobatic plays. He grew, a top five short, defensive shortstop, a great hitting shortstop. You know, there's no doubt what he did in the Yankees uniform really saved us. And especially that Twins game, too, the home run he hit. He had two home runs against Corey Kluber. You know, I mean, obviously, he you can't retire him as a Yankee because, like, he only played, like, for three to five years. 
But I mean, but he's someone know, that he, like we're never gonna we're not gonna forget him. No, the time never. he gave us, the memories he gave us. It's unfortunate he had to go. It really is. Yeah, it is. And you know what? It's just thinking about like past Yankees that have like stolen your hearts. I mean, there's been no one better that stole your heart more than Didi Gregorius, honestly. No, everyone loved him. I love Didi. I mean, I always remember when he hit the Grand Slam against the Twins last season. I I always remember I was at work, and I was literally about five, ten minutes from leaving, and I just see he hit the Grand Slam, and I just remember going insane because I was like, that's just vintage Didi. You know, when he could be struggling so much, and then he'll just flash the leather, he'll flash his glove, or he'll just flash his bat, and, and you just realize immediately, you're like, that's why you love Didi Gregorius. That's why you love him so much yeah. as a player. Because he could just yeah. provide you with those sparks, those big moments. And so nice a lot with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he I really was. And the same thing, too. Like, you talk about the two home runs he hit off of Kluber in Game 5 in 2017. I mean, just those two moments alone, you know, he had already had – he was struggling in that division series. You know, he wasn't even batting 100 going into that Game 5. And then all of a sudden, he, he hits those two bombs off of Kluber. And nobody even remembers that Didi had been struggling in that series. You know, everybody just – he he came up in big spots, you know, when you needed him most, he was there to provide the spark. How well do you think the Phillies gonna do this year, the Phillies? He's batting very well. He's batting over three hundred with the Phillies so far. I I I think the Phillies are becoming a dark horse for me in that division, honestly. Because I do think Harper's still a really good player when he's on his game. Reese I like Dee Dee. good when he's on his game. I, I like I like the infield. The infield's really good. The outfield's good. They're a top five character in the league. And I don't know if you saw this, but did you hear the news about Soroka on the Braves? Oh, you, did you see the video of it? Yeah, that's bad. I, like, that was bad. You could see it snap. His Achilles literally snaps. For those of our listeners that do not know, Soroka on the Braves is done for the season. Yeah, that's a huge blow to them. They're one of the best starting pitchers. You know, it's, it's going to be hard for the Braves to come back from this. I mean, the NL East is such an intriguing division. Oh, I agree. There's no bad teams but the Marlins. And, and I mean, it's, it's anyone's division right now. It's anyone's, anyone's division. division. See, I think it's, it's crazy, too, because, you know, we talk about divisions right now that look like they could be very intriguing. Some could be interesting. You know, obviously, right now, we look at the AL East, and, and people, I think, thought the AL East was going to be a little bit more intriguing. I mean, the, the Baltimore Orioles literally swept the Tampa Bay Rays the other day. <laughs> I, I mean, I know. and all of a sudden, it's like, all right, yeah, I kind of expected it to be this back and forth first and uh, second place battle between the Yankees and Rays like it was in 2019. But now I'm looking at it in the sense of, well, is it really that, like, going to be that intriguing, or is this going to be a runaway division for the Yankees where they're just going to win the AL East like it's nothing? I think they will. I mean, they, they're they showing their, their muscles right now. They're flexing on everybody. You know, the pitching is dominant, the bullpen's dominant, the hitting is dominant. They don't even have Tanaka yet. I think full, Tanaka's back. Tanaka's back, but he's not full strength. And playoff Tanaka is a – playoff Tanaka is the best pitcher we got. I mean, him and Cole – you know, and then we got, you know, Canely out for the season. We just got Chapman back. You know, the lineup is at full power right now. And you could see what the lineup is doing at full power. I mean, they're the best offense in the entire MLB. So, the you know, most, there's, there's no question that the Yankees are the best team in the division. Yeah, but the most it, concerning thing about pitching right now, Paxton's below. I cannot believe Paxton. He's doing so bad. I'm in fantasy. I, might, I kind of want to drop him. He's it's, doing it, terrible. The ba- and, and it's not like. And this is the thing about Paxton. Paxton can prove what we saw it last season. We saw it literally yeah. in that game five against Houston that kept that us alive. I mean, that was amazing. he literally earned it. That was the game he earned his pinstripes. 
I was gonna, I was just thinking that he did it in He really did. You know, there was a lot of questions about picking him up. You know, we always knew like up until we got Cole, the Yankees never had their real ace. And you know, Paxton was a great supporting pitcher, great second, third best pitcher in your rotation. But it wasn't an ace. But this, but this, yeah, he was an ace. But this year, I mean, it's it's been ugly. It really has. You know, and, he couldn't even – I was saying this the other day. He couldn't even average 95 on a fastball where he averaged that like 98, 99. His max was 100 on that fastball last season. It's it's bad. It's really – I don't know where to go from here with him. I mean, he's got to get that velo back. I don't know how it got so low. I, I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean it, could be, it could be the back surgery. But, you know, we thought he's fully healthy. He's he Because, you know, if we had played a full 162, Paxton, they had said, wasn't going to be back until at least May. So we look at that as a sense of, all right, you know what? That's definitely a bad look. Paxton's already out until May. But it's, it's, August, it's August now, and Paxton's velo is still way down. And if we're going to say it's the, it's the lingering back issue, then we're just going to say, all right, you know what? If it's the lingering back issue, then you know what? That's, that's acceptable in a sense because it means that he's not able to put all that weight into his arm of being able to throw, you know, 97, 98. But – you know, it's bad. It's, it's, it's a very, very concerning thing. And it's something where I was saying the other day to one of my friends, it's something that pitching coaches really can't work on when your velo is down. You know, it's something that you yourself have to really work on. If you have, yeah. you have to work on that yourself, your velo, you know, your pitching coaches can only do so much for you of how to, you know, throw better pitches. They can't really teach you how to throw harder. I totally agree. You're right. You know, like, it's like a strength and muscle training. Mm-hmm. You know, your pitching coaches aren't supposed to do that. They're supposed to teach you how to throw a pitch and how to get a certain guy out and where to throw it, not, you know, get you stronger and put you in the gym more. And, I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't really looked into this that much, but, I mean, there's got to be a lingering back issue. Like, there has to be. Yes. Some, some kind of issue. There has to be. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't think of anything else, honestly. I can't. Unless it's just laziness. And I, I, I wouldn't expect him to be lazy. He's not a lazy player. He's he's a Yankee. He's a Yankee now, I think. Yeah. And to I mean, see this, this happening, told, This is the guy that literally, when Aaron Boone came out of the dugout to try and take him out of game five with, you know, two men on and two out, he literally said, I'm fine. I'm going to get this last guy out. So he's clearly not lazy. Mm-hmm. He wants to work hard. No. Yeah, it's it's scary. But, you know, we got Monty. We got Michael King. The bullpen. I, I have confidence in the Yankee team to get the, the pitching done, which they they have. You know, it's been it's been amazing so far. So I, I want to talk about something else because I see this in the topics we were talking about. The most surprising starts for a team so far. For you, who would you say? I think mine might be a surprise to you, but who who would you say is the most surprising start to you so far? Most surprising starts got to be honestly the. Two two teams. I mean, obviously, listen. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the Marlins because obviously they they didn't even play five games yet because they had a COVID nineteen outbreak among the team and they just yeah. played their first game. I got to say, Baltimore's surprising. Mm-hmm. You know, they played the Red Sox and obviously everybody's like, you know what, the Red Sox were already a bad team, so let's not look at that really too deeply. Then they played the Yankees; they got destroyed by us. That's pretty obvious. But the the sweeping the Rays. Is, is very, like, kind of intriguing to me. You know, the O's being, like, this team all of a sudden out of the gate, in my opinion, that is not supposed to be good, but somehow they're still winning. Um, they're definitely a surprise team to me. Um, I would say a surprise, uh, in a sense, a surprise team to me. Oh, man, it's, it's tough to choose. Um, 
uh, man, I I'm really I I don't know. I'm 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 having like a hard time thinking about it. I think Maybe there's two. There's two. Yeah, there's it, yeah. the Orioles are definitely one for me. You know, I'm trying. I'm having a. I think maybe the Reds, in a sense, have been surprising because you know, you know what? That's kind of a lie. I can't. I don't know. I can't. Tell. Well, who would you? I, say? I'm gonna be honest. All right, there's two. There's one good one, one bad one. The okay. good one I want to talk about the Rockies. Yes. They're, Wait. They're I, I, yeah, the Padres. The Padres are a surprising team. Padres. Yeah, them too. They're they're both surprising, but the Rockies are a better record right now, so I'll say they're more surprising. But I mean, the Padres have a great lineup. You know, they have Tatis, Machado. Grisham's doing good. Um, Tommy but you're also, but the thing about that with you know what the thing about it with the Rockies and the Padres, they're in a division with the Dodgers, who are literally supposed to be this this team that yeah, is dominating. Exactly. And Bellinger's in a bad slump. Mookie Betts is you know he'll be Mookie Betts. He's definitely a great player and he'll show it. You know, obviously Bellinger is the NL MVP from last season, but. But you know what? I said this to my brother yesterday, and, and, and I don't think people are going to agree with me on this take. I think Cody Bellinger gets a little bit too much hype. I think he gets a little bit too much. Um, I know he's an NL MVP, and I know that he went to the World Series his first two seasons. I think Bellinger gets just a little bit overhyped. He, in the regular season, he's, he's, he's an amazing player. He's a must-watch player to watch. Once he, we get to October, Bellinger is almost impossible to watch, in my opinion. Um, I haven't seen his postseason stats. It's just I agree. He didn't have his first hit until the NLCS in eighteen. Yeah, that was his off year. I that was an off. It was an off. Then twenty twenty seventeen, he was competing for rookie of the year with um with a few guys. I remember. I think he won it that year. He was he had a really good season that year. So I remember twenty seventeen. He was really good. Eighteen, he was kind of off. Last year, you know, I don't talk about that. I'm a monster. But yeah, I mean, I I do think that he's I think he's a guy like Judge. You know, this, he's gonna be hot and he's gonna be cold. Like standing in Santos too. Like, like those are the kind of guys that are, are so inconsistent. When they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're off. There's guys that never waver, like DJ Lemayu. Guys that don't waver, like Urshela. You know, like we know how good of a hitter Urshela can be. But overall in his career, I mean, he's been playing to the back of his baseball card. He's going to be like a, a, a above average hitter or an average hitter. Yeah. You know, like guys like Charlie Blackman. I'm looking at his stats right now. Charlie Blackman's never had like a bad year. Oh, I he's, he's, in, I would, he's I, a monster. He's yeah, so much. Arenado is so consistent. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that's you the know, thing. Like, Arenado is probably I, – I remember last year I went to a Yankees-Rockies game last season. And Arnauto was there, and I was literally just so excited. I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, you know, I'm I'm more excited to see Nolan Arnauto play. And she she looked at me like I had three heads. She had no idea who I was talking about. And I was literally like, he is probably the best third baseman in the entire major league. Like and he's, he's so good. consistent. He's so consistent. I I got him in fantasy for a reason. He's hit 30 home runs and like four seasons in a row, 100 RBIs a few seasons in a row. He's a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, like guys like Bellinger are a little overrated. Like at times because they get into bad slumps that don't seem to go away. Like Sanchez is right now. Like Stanton has had in the past. Like Judge has had in the past. Yeah, it happens. And I'm not gonna sit here and and, and you know it, it would look so bad of me to to say like oh well you could say that Bellinger is overrated but you know Judge and Stanton and all these guys they definitely get a little bit overrated. But the thing about you know someone like Judge and Bellinger is I can tell with Bellinger. Bellinger is someone who can definitely be very, very impatient. You know, Aaron Judge, he's so tall that sometimes pitches, he gets strike calls, you know, at pitches at his knees or his ankles, basically. And 
And, you know, Cody Bellinger, when he has a pitch that's a high fastball or a pitch that's down and away in the zone on him, most chances he's going to swing at it. You know, Aaron Judge likes to take counts. He works counts to three and two a lot. And sometimes mm-hmm. he just gets called out on a bad pitch or he works a walk. Sometimes so, you can say Judge is a better – he's better at the count than he is hitting home runs. Because, I mean, I think I remember I saw a stat, I think it was last year, I think he averages five pitches in that bat, which is like a lot. Oh, like yeah. Five pitches, that's an average you, – you average a full count every time. That's incredible. Uh, he's that's been, something that not, not everyone can do. Very few people can do that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Judge is, is great. I mean, I – Every time that Judge is down 0-2, if he's down 0-2 early, I always say to myself, I'm like, Judge is going to work this count back to 3-2 and two somehow. And, yeah, and he if, always does. If he ends up striking out, it sucks, but he's, but he's always going to make a pitcher work. He's very good at that. That's the one mm-hmm. thing that I love about Aaron Judge so much is that he can work counts. So Which is so important in the playoffs. Oh, you got to like, – when you're playing guys like Verlander and like he's played Corey Kluber in the past – and Trevor Bauer, you got to get these good starting pitchers out and get into the bullpen because every team's got two to three really good bullpen guys. Once you get the starter out, those bullpen guys won't last very long, especially with the Yankees. Against the Yankees bullpen, you're under the deep water at that point. You know, there's, there's no one to compete with them. So if you can just get the starting pitcher out early, like first five, hopefully six innings, probably sometimes four innings if that, you just got to get to the bullpen with That's the Yankees. Thing. That's their key. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, too, is with the Yankees, there is no guarantee when you go against their bullpen. I mean, sometimes you can go against bullpen arms. You know, Chad Green has been has been definitely phenomenal to start the season. It definitely sucks with Canley because Canley is such is such, such a is such a good person, too. Like, not just a good player. He's such a good person, too, to have around the yeah, locker room, really the clubhouse, everything like that. And it's a shame that he's out now with Tommy John. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Tommy Canley. You know, it could be it could be it for him in a Yankee uniform. But, you know, I – I got to admit, something that people have been saying is they really, really like how uh, Nick Nelson looks. You know, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. He just kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion. In his first start, he, he pitched three scoreless innings against the Red Sox. And he was mowing guys down, basically. Not, I wouldn't say mowing them down, but he was, he was throwing really, really good pitches to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Re- I, I mean, I don't know about – I like I said, I didn't know anything about him. You know, the only thing that I had saw about him was literally – I, they said he's a 2016 fourth round pick, and I was like, okay, that's all I know about him. I literally, I didn't even know he was he was rated number 16 on the Yankees prospects list, and I was like, I I had no idea about any of that. I never him to go up against for him to go up against a team like the Red Sox, you know, like it's horrible. But I mean, their lineup is still no joke. You know, they they can still put up eight runs a night at times. I did it against the Yankees the other day. So for him to go out and have a such a great start like that, especially against mm-hmm. that team, it, it's you're right. It is pretty amazing. I just see that happen, and it's just a Yankees thing, you know. Like you see this guy, no name guy, come up, and he's just like, and, a, and he's all of a sudden like, not not a big prospect. He's a monster. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the Yankees scouting. And, you know, I remember back in like 2017, 2018, you know, when the Yankees had the best farm system in all of baseball. I remember by the start of like 2018, even after making it to the to Game Seven of the ALCS. They were still like a top five farm system in the entire major leagues, and they were. And and it's the craziest thing was, everybody still hadn't made it yet. Nobody had still made it to the big mm-hmm. leagues yet. Everybody was still developing. And this is the thing: is finally the Yankees, in my opinion, are developing good pitchers. Someone who I really think we're going to see at some point or another this season, whether he's in the bullpen or whether he somehow makes it to the starting rotation, I think we're going to see Clark Schmidt. 
I hope he's I like, really <laughs> want to see. I Roy mean, Smith. he's the best one. I think he's the best one. There's there's three guys now that I, we don't have our eyes on. It's Nelson, King, and Schmidt. They're all out of the closet. You know, they're all we we know how good these guys are gonna be and they they can be. The question is, where we see them? I think Nelson's here to stay. King's here to stay. I'm a, I'm still shocked that Schmidt did not make the open day roster. I thought he was I mean, going to. Yeah, I really, I, I was hoping you would. You know, I think he's a really good player, really good pitcher, really good slider and two seam fastball. Two seam, see, the thing about two seams and cutters, they're not that hard to hit because the level of like when you throw in the two seam and the cutter, it's easy to stay with the ball, you know, because it's not, it's east to west pitch, not north south. But he had a really good east west two seam fastball on him. I, I was amazed by it, honestly. Oh, yeah. Schmidt was making like, major league hitters like Judge and Stanton look like fools, basically, on some of those pitches, you know, and, and that's so important yeah. when you're a rookie. Nobody really knows who you are, but that makes you see, that makes you realize them. That makes you say to themselves, Okay, I don't know who these – I really – I know these names, but I never saw them pitch. Now that I've seen them pitch, I want them. I just want – I want them to – I want them to have a regular role. And I think Schmidt is definitely in the Myers right now, you know, at the, or I should say the alternate site in Scranton, you know, practicing and doing what he can until he's awaiting the call, basically. And I think if we get a good if, – if we can see Clark Schmidt this season and, and he comes out of the gate and he's just absolutely dominant, you know, and I'm looking at this Yankee team right now, and I'm just thinking to myself, this isn't just a good Yankee team that we're seeing so far. This is a great Yankees team. And and, and, and I'm going to ask you a quick question. In your opinion, do you think this is the best Yankees team since 09? I think it's better than You think 09. it's better than 09? I That's mean, the first time I've heard that. Well, I mean, when you look at it from top to bottom, I mean, CC and Garrett Cole, I would say they're probably equal. AJ Burnett was really good. Um, Mariano Rivera was with the end of his career, but still the best closer of all time. You respect that. Java Chamberlain had a great year that year. Um, the infield. Well, they will never compete with the 2009 the, infield. The, yeah, the infield was too good. It was too good yeah. that year. You know, Cano, Teixeira, Jeter, Erod. But the outfield, I think, is much better. Stan, you know, you have Judge, Hicks, Talkman, Stanton. I think that this Yankees team – I would say that they are. They had a better. They had a better bullpen, e- equal rotation. I think that this Yankees team has a slightly better lineup. Oh yeah, slightly better lineup. I mean, 2009 overall. was obviously just the like literally the best Yankee team that it's seen in a while. Yeah. You know, the, 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 not better than the late 90s teams. The late 90s team is not oh, better no, than the late 90s. But that's 09. The 09 lineup is not as good as today's lineup. It's it's still really close, I think. But overall, I mean, you got Judge Stanton, Sanchez when he's hot, DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, it's the the stats. The stats don't lie. I want to let me see if I can find a statue for my computer. But I I would say that the st- the stats they don't lie. This team, it's better than that 09 line. Yeah, 09 was definitely, and you know, it's crazy too because my brother always looks on Twitter about if we were playing a 162 game season right now, what would the equivalent to like seven and one be or eight and one be? If this was a a 162 game season. And the Yankees were playing 162 games, and you know they're eight and one right now. It would basically, they say, be the equivalent to starting off 22 and three in a 162 game season, which is just absolutely unbelievable. It would, it would, it would literally be like the best Yankee team since '98, which won 114 yeah. uh, games, you know, or 115, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always forget if it was 114 or 115, but you know, either way, '98 was probably the best Yankee team of all time, next to Murderers Row. You know, Murderer's Row was obviously yeah. the best Yankee team ever. 
Are you ready for the stats? Yes, I'm ready. ready? Stats. All right, Jorge Posada, 22 home runs, 81 RBIs, 285 yes, average. He's he was obviously a core four. Would you say better than Sanchez? Would do? Yeah, Probably. I would. You know what? And, and for me, Sanchez would hit would hit more home runs, but Posada definitely has the average upper hand on him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, next position, first base. Tushar, you can't. He's better. Luke than Ford. He can't. He can't. Any like of our first basemen. 30, 39 home runs, 122 RBIs, 292 average. He's better. Though. So, so far, 2009, actually. Wow. So, Robbie Cano, 25 home runs, 85 RBIs, 320 average. You know, Would you take that over LeMayhew? I don't. And now here's the thing LeMayhew hit just as many home runs, if not more. And a better average. I'm taking LeMahieu over Cano. I'm, I'm going to take LeMahieu. Me too. So this year, Jeter had a really good year, actually. I don't even remember this. But, I mean, 18 home runs, six – you can't compare that with Labor. Oh, yeah, Jeter's um, the best. 334 shortstop. average. I, I mean, yeah, he's best person of all time, probably. But, yeah, one person says he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I think – I mean, for power, Labor's better. For average Jeter, I guess I guess right now, I would say Jeter, but they're probably yeah. Jeter, cool, Jeter was say. Jeter in '09. Literally was Jeter in '09 became the all-time Yankees hits leader. It was it was Lou mm-hmm. Gehrig before, and then it was Derek Jeter. So let me go to A Rod. Oh, A Rod's thirty home runs, hundred RBIs, better yeah, than Shaw. So overall, I would probably say '09 Yankees four to one in that lineup. But here's where the 2019 the, – the new Yankees took okay. the cake. Blackfield, Johnny Damon. I mean, You're, come on. Stanton over Damon. Come Stanton on. Over, like, yeah, that's I an mean, easy that's yeah. an easy one. Centerfield, Melky Cabrera. He had a good year that year. Not a lot of – only 13 home runs in 154 games. A good Hicks, you could take him over easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, right a, field. a very powerful Hicks and a dominant Aaron Hicks is, is 100% better than Melky Cabrera. And then, no, no comparison, Swisher Judge. Judge. I mean, obviously. No I mean, come on. So, so I mean, overall, it's very – and D.H., Neki Matsui, I mean, that's, he had a really good year that year. But who's, who would you say would be the D.H. for us? Boyd? It would or, probably – well, I mean, D.H. right now is Stanton. So, let's say – so, let me say this. If, if the D.H. was still Stanton right now and then, obviously, Matsui was the 09 D.H., I mean, who are you picking? I, I, I got to admit, I got to go with – with Godzilla, probably on this one. Really? Go with Godzilla. You want to hear his stats? Uh, yeah, of course I want to hear Matsui's stats. 28 home okay. runs, 90 RBIs, 274 average, 367 RBIs. All right, and give me, give me John Carlos Santon's stats from 2018. Give me, give me his stats mm. from 18, because that's the last time he played mm. full season. Mm, okay. All right, let me find that, so, actually. But, but this is the reason. But, uh, while you're looking that up, I'll tell you why I'm taking Hideki Matsui. Hideki Matsui, when okay. he came to Yankees, when he came to the New York Yankees over from Japan in 2003, Hideki Matsui was immediately a fan favorite, immediately someone who, I mean, you go to the stadium, and obviously, you know, it, it's a big thing. It's a, it's a very big thing when a lot of people want to come and see Masahiro Tanaka pitch, you know, there's a there's a fan base among you know in, in Japan there's a, this huge following of baseball too that when a player goes to the majors you know these people will buy plane tickets 13 hours 15 hours however long the plane ride is from you know Tokyo or wherever in Japan 
to wherever these guys are playing, they'll come and see them. Matsui, in his first home game for the New York Yankees, was immediately, you know, he knew, he was just, everybody knew his name because he hit a grand slam and everybody was like, Matsui is definitely a big piece. And in 2003 and in 2004, you know what, in the postseason, he was he was well known. I, I think Matsui, if I'm not mistaken, and if I think 04 in that ALCS before the Yankees blew the lead to the Red Sox, if I'm not mistaken, Matsui hit like seven RBIs, I think, or six RBIs in a game against the Red Sox in 04. So I know, and, and of course, in that 2009 World Series, Matsui was just dominant. I mean, he was just dominant. And, and you know, and Stanton people, he's looked better, but everybody gets on John Carl Stanton for he, they think he's an inpatient hitter. But you know what, Stanton definitely can be a leader too. And I'm not saying that Stanton isn't a power hitter because obviously he is, and we all know this. He almost hit 60 home runs in 2017 when he won National League MVP. He's a great player. When he's healthy, he can definitely be a spark on a team. There's no doubt about that. In the postseason, he hasn't exactly proved himself, I want to say, because he's only played a few postseason games and he missed – Basically, the, he literally missed the rest of the ALCS from game six, two to six. And in 2018, he wasn't that great in his first postseason. In 2019, he was definitely on an upward trend, in my opinion, you know, when it came to postseason time. But if I'm picking any player right now in a postseason situation or a must-win game and he needs to come up in a big spot, I'm going to pick Hideki Matsui. You would be right. I would be right. Matsui had a better average on base percentage and OPS. They were tied in slugging. Santon had more home runs and RBIs, less walks, obviously more strikeouts. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess I was wrong. Overall, the 0-9 team is still better than the 2020 team, which, I mean, it's not too far off to say that, but, like, the 2019 team is really good. But still, a 2020 team, you know, we don't know what they're capable of yet. So we're not so, even a full, you know, think cool. about it, we're not even a full actual 10 games in. We're only, you know, only, we, we're 81. Yeah. We've only played nine games. We're going to yeah. play games 10 and 11 tomorrow, obviously, with the doubleheader against the Phillies. And, you know, I, I think, from in my opinion, if you can take – this is how I truly feel. If the Yankees can somehow pull it off tomorrow and win both of those games against the Phillies, in that doubleheader, and they get off to a 10-1 and one start, I mean, they're, they're just going to be looked at as a team that's like, no one can stop them. Like, can any team stop them right now? That's what people are going to say. You know, they're, they're just steamrolling teams, basically, if they get off to a 10-1 and one start. There's very few teams that can beat them in a straight-up best-of-five, best-of-seven series because this bullpen is suffocating. This lineup is damaging. Starting pitching, you know, you got to play Garrett Cole in a best-of-seven. You gotta play Garrett Cole yes. twice. You know you have to. There's no way around that. That's that's almost two guaranteed wins. You could say with this lineup. And then if, I mean, if these young guns can keep it up, like Nelson and King, if they call up Schmidt, I mean that's tough. Tanaka too, Montgomery, and then yeah, I really do think that this Yankees team is going to end up being better than the 0-9 team. I, I really, I really hope so, and I that could happen. Um, I think the bullpen's better, but this lineup, it's its deadly. If Sanchez can get himself going, and Hicks, Hicks is having a slow start, too. Hicks is definitely on a slow if, start, but I think he, I think he's starting to come around. I think he's yeah. starting to come around. I think the most important piece is, 
are obviously standing in judge. We need these twin tower role models to just stay with like stay healthy, stay what you're doing. Please be in our lineup every day. 60 games, play 50 of them. We're gonna win 45 of them probably with you guys in there. You know, it's easy pickings when you guys are on your shit. And you know, DJ, you don't have to talk about DJ LeMay, you being on his shit. You know, it's it's just one of those things, like you said before, and everyone's always saying, just stay on the field and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, please. That's literally all we can ask for. Is stay. It's literally like we said, just stay healthy. Just do what you're, whatever you're doing yeah. right now. Stay what you're doing because if you, you need an off day, yeah, take it. You take it. Talkman will play for you. Talkman's cool. Talkman literally had what did he have on Saturday night? If I'm not mistaken, in the lineup, he had three hits. He was like three for four. You know, talk. Yeah, he's played a good amount of games. Yeah, so Talkman's far. been pretty good. Talkman's been yeah, Talkman's been a solid piece, and you know what? I think and, and it and it spoke volume, in my opinion, on Sunday when Andujar was in left field and he he made a a bad play in left that ended up having a run score, a two run score, and then Boone immediately went to Talkman. Boone was Boone took Andujar out of the game and he put Talkman in left, and Talkman came up in a big spot and he got on base and. He stole second, allowed LeMahieu to, you know, bat him in. And then Judge came up and, and you know, won the game for us. I really think that we're going to trade Andujar now. I really oh, I, do. Oh, I absolutely I really well, do. you know, it's crazy because, you know, baseball only being a 60-game season, the MLB trading deadline is in is in literally less than, you know, it's, it's like four weeks away now. It's less than that now. You know, it's August 31st. Uh-huh. And, you know, Someone, so I saw a thing. Someone was saying this. Someone who, in my opinion, could be a very big piece for the August trade deadline, and it, it sounds crazy because I don't, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy because who would really want to get traded right now in the middle of all this with the MLB going on right now and there's literally a pandemic still, you know. I think the very big thing that we have to look at is, you know, do you think Lindor could be a trade option? Or do you think he's just going to walk in free agency? Because I don't think Cleveland's going to re-sign him. I'm going to be honest. You know, if you think there'll be a, um, if you think there's going to be a big piece or anything like that, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. Hey guys, so before we get back into the episode, I just want to say really fast that the audio cut out at the first clip of, at the first audio thing of me and Jason starting to talk, we were going to discuss, you know, just really quickly before we get into this, you know, next half of the episode, I just want to say that there is going to be strong language coming up ahead. So please like beware to anybody who listens. I just want you to know there's definitely a lot of you know, strong language that gets used and definitely some topics that get discussed that may not be suitable for all ears. You know, I know I sound like I'm basically discussing this to a whole radio broadcast, but you know, basically, you know what I'm saying? Just beware of the language that's going to be used. There is a big topic that we talk about. We started to get into sports and then we started talking about how coronavirus has impacted not just baseball, but the rest of sports and just the rest of the world. It definitely got a little political and it definitely a little bit about human rights and stuff like that. Please, if you are not suitable for this, and then I must say right now, if you don't want to listen to it, 
to the rest of this episode, then stop what you're doing and just stop the episode as a whole. You don't have to listen to it. I won't be offended by it. And I'm sure that you're not going to really care about it either. Don't worry about it. I will totally understand. Um, Before we get back into the episode, I'm going to play the clip that I made with Sam. Please listen to it. And like I said before, please support her. I mean, honestly, please. I, I, I want you to support her. She's such a great person, a great friend. She works so hard on this, like I said. She literally, like she said, worked on it since she was since she was 12 years old. She's 22 now. Please support her. I mean, she's, like I said, a great person, a great friend, a great pledge sister, a great sorority sister. Cares about her friends, cares about her family, cares about anything. She has such a great heart. She worked all her might and, and strength and, and everything into doing this book. So please support her. Buy it on Amazon. Like I said, the name of it is called Shades. I hope that you will buy it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. If you decide to listen, if you stop at any point, that's totally fine too. Just please, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And in episode eight, we will definitely get only back to sports and we will talk all about it. There will be no politics, no nothing. Just so you know, it'll all be sports. This is the one time where I made the exception to just get on off the topic of sports and just discuss things that are going on right now in the world. So yeah, that's basically all I'm going to say. I hope you enjoyed this segment that I recorded with Sam, and then I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. And like I said, beware, there is strong language ahead. Hi. Hi, Sam. So I'm talking to a certified author, basically. Oh my, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sam. So you know what? I basically told everybody that you have a new book out. It's called Shades, right? That's the name of it? Yes. Okay, so tell everybody about the book and where to buy it. Oh boy, okay. Hi everyone. Um, Sam, I'm the author of Shades. It's a poetry book. Um, the chapters are love, loss, learning, and life. So I started writing it when I was 12, and the most recent poem I wrote was when I was 22, which is now. So it's a 10-year span that kind of just talks about my life experiences and I try to make them kind of universal so everybody who reads it will relate to it mm-hmm. and you can get it on Amazon paperback and ebook all right thank you Sam I hope everybody goes out and reads this book I mean I only saw one quote from the book so far that you posted on your snapchat and I just gotta say that like honestly just looking at it it's something that I can say I think I look into my camera roll at it every single day because I'm like Wow, this is kind of like low-key inspirational, so I can only imagine what the rest of the book is like. Oh my god, thank you, Phil. All right, so I hope everybody goes and buys that book. Amazon, definitely go and get it. Now, how much is it? It is $12.99 as a paperback, and then as an ebook until the end of August, it is $0.99. Cents. Then it goes back to being two ninety nine. All right, everybody, you heard it there first. Go buy Shades on Amazon by Samantha Finley. Please go and do it. Support her. She's not just a friend. She's a, she's a pledge sister and a sorority sister, so please, she works very hard on this. I hope everybody goes and reads the book. Thank you very much. The, um, we're back. Like audio. Yeah, so we're back. So what I was saying before the audio cut out was, you know, a big thing about, you know, the August, you know, the 60 game season is the August trade deadline is uh, August 31st. So I've been seeing something and I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think that Francisco Lindor is a possible trade candidate or do you think that can't Cleveland will just wait? And do you think they would resign him or do you think they would let him walk? I do think that they're kind of getting pieces to win now. They, they have Clevenger, Beaver, uh, another couple of good pitchers coming up. I think this guy's name is Levine or something like that. They're becoming a good team very quickly. So I don't think that they would – he could – he may leave. If he if he says he won't re-sign, they would trade him. 
But if they don't know going into the offseason, I have confidence that they will try to re-sign him and have a win-now team because they have a good lineup. Jose Ramirez is still there. Um, you know, a couple of the guys on that team. You know, it's not it's not a bad team. They were really, they were very close to wild card last year, mm-hmm. and as they should have been. They had Yasio, they had Yasio rental. You know, they lost Bauer, which kind of hurt them. But I mean, when you look at they their did lineup, lose Ramirez for a while too. You have to think. About he, and he was doing terrible for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, but you got Mercado in center field, who's a good fielder. You got Carlos Santana, who's pretty good. Cesar Hernandez leads off. Their starting pitching still very good. Brad Hand's a really good closer. I think that they will, unless he says he's not playing for them, I think that they're going to try to resign him. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll definitely – they'll have to go after him, but they're, they're going to have to pay him a lot. I mean, I think he's one of the best shortstop in the, shortstops yeah. in the entire league. You know, if not, he's probably the best, and he's proven it. You know, he's definitely shown that he can be the best, and, you know, I, I think that Lindor is going to demand a lot. You know, I don't know how much money he'd get, but I think he's going to get a lot. And I don't know what the plan is for Lindor. I mean, I, I hope – I think obviously, obviously Cleveland fans are hoping to resign him. They love Lindor. They, 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 they've definitely taken him in, you know, as a great player and, you know, they, they just, they love him there. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know what'll happen with that, but we'll definitely see, you know, the August trade deadline, like I said, you know, why would you want to get traded right now? You know, would you really want to move to another city temporarily? You know, you're, you're putting yourself and, you know, your whole family in risk of, you know, if you, you know, and and that's a topic we're going to get into is, you know, we've seen two teams, have outbreaks and have to postpone a bunch of games. And, and, you know, in your opinion, there was definitely rumors of a cancellation, a pause, everything like that. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that there's a possibility we just don't finish the season as a whole? I was talking to my friend the other day and he, he has a lot of hot takes. He said the next two weeks, he sees it being canceled. Mm -hmm. Personally for me, I would say it would take, like 25% of the league to have games canceled at one time to cancel it. They're not going to cancel it for a postpone, postponing a game here and there. But if like, you know, if eight teams, if, if eight teams get it and four games have to be canceled or more, if, if six games had to be canceled in one day, how do you keep it going? Yeah. How, how do you keep the season going at that point? The players going to grow unhappy with each other with our coaches, with, like, life in general. You know, a guy like Mike Trout having a family, he's going to say, fuck this, I'm out. You know, like, obviously, there's a lot of, like, young single guys. Like, I don't know off the top of my head, but, like, I would say a guy like a young guy, Acuna, probably doesn't have a family to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Lindor might have a family to worry about. Like, um, like Fernando Tatis, you know, Vladimir Guerrero. Those guys want to play, but there's family guys out there, too, now. Joey Votto, Paul Goldschmidt. Mike, there's veterans out there who have families to take care of. They're not going to want to be dealing with this COVID shit all year. They're not going to. Bottom line, you know, if you really, really want to play, you'll stay. But I think that as the time goes on, games will get canceled. And overall, I would say there's probably a 30% chance the season gets canceled and cut short because of all the cancellations. Yeah, yeah. If it's like a one series a week gets postponed, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I it's don't. I think it's crazy to think that like, you know, there were so many problems, you know, just negotiating a season happening at all. 
you know, back then, you know, with the owners and the commissioner just being totally inept and, and not on the same level as players and everything like that. And, you know, and it's great that we finally got baseball, but now it's like, we're seeing this, that there's, there was a lot of risk to coming back. And, you know, I, I look at other leagues like the NHL and the NBA, obviously they're playing in a bubble, but you know, their systems have worked, you know, players haven't had it, you know, and, and I agree. players haven't had it in consecutive rounds of testing and, you know, MLB players were definitely not fond of there being a bubble. So I can understand that, you know, a lot of players, you know, you talk about mm-hmm. family, you know, Kershaw is another example, you know, he basically said, you know, if, if, if we had to play in a bubble, if we had to just stay in a certain area for months at a time away from our families, you know, we can obviously contact them, but we can't go near them. You know, Kershaw said he wasn't going to do it. You know, he's got a wife. He's got a, he's got kids. You know, he's not going to do that. You know, he's not going to want to go out and, and, and know that he's got to, even though he's playing the game he loves and he's obviously a sure, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires, you know, and he's one of the great, greatest pitchers to ever live. Kershaw would definitely not want to be away from his family for months at a time. And you're you, right. And you can understand it. I do understand it. And also what makes it so much easier for basketball and NHL is they're finishing their seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, as time goes on, like next week, a few teams are not going to the NBA and the NHL. Now the Rangers might be two days. Who knows? You know, but like it, with baseball, these teams. Well, are the Rangers are done. The Rangers for... are done. It, it was the best of five. So they're done. <laughs> It's already over? Yeah, it was a best of five. What, what's the score right now? Is it 2-0 or 3-0? It was 3-0. They got swept. Oh, my God. I, I thought it was 2-0. No, it was, it was 3. Well, no, it was 3. It was... But back to baseball. I thought, I thought it was only two games so far. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's that's what it was. But, but, yeah, baseball, but back to, you know. We're I, I can't imagine about... having to stay there for 60 games and then, then keeping half the teams in the bubble. A 16-game postseason, you know, after playing 60, 60 games in a bubble – that's going to be killer for the players. And obviously, it's one of those things where, like, if you want it, you'll do it. You know, you can do anything you want in this world. If you want to stay there for a 60-game season and play it out, the players could have done that. They, unfortunately, they didn't want to. And if we don't finish the season, I mean, obviously, it's not – I don't want to say it's their fault. Like, they wouldn't – like, I'm not going to say, oh, you got to go in this bubble. You know, how could you not go in the bubble? I, I totally get where Kershaw and Trout come from. Yeah, but if they if they wanted to finish it, and they wanted a clean – if the players really wanted a clean season, they would have asked for a bubble. They would have. They would have. Obviously, there's bigger things than baseball, but if they wanted to get a champion this year, they would have done the bubble, done 60 games, and the players probably would have wanted a regular postseason, you know, because it would have kicked a lot of teams out sooner than later. Yeah, so, I, I think it's I think it's concerning because, you know, the, the most concerning thing – that I think players are finally realizing, you know, I, I think the thing about it is players are going to be a, a hell of a lot more careful now that there's been two outbreaks among two teams. You know, mm-hmm. the Cardinals, they have been approved to play their games starting again on Friday at Bush Stadium against the Cubs. Um, the Marlins, the Marlins played again today for the first time. They beat the Orioles. Um, you know, it, it's it's definitely it's it's up it's upbringing in a sense that these these teams are going to play again you know it's just concerning because you know some of these teams they don't just play you know with the risk and obviously coronavirus is a widespread situation going on right now still in the united states you know some of these teams play in hot spots you know you, you look yeah. at in like the marlins and the rays you know they play in hot spots they play in florida it's it's a it's a covid19 epicenter right now currently 
you know, if we had started the season back in March, I mean, the Yankees would have been at a huge potential risk because New York City was was a was a terrible yeah, place to be. That, that was where it all started, New York and New Jersey. You know, that was that was where the, the we were the we were the leading examples at first of what not to do. And you know, obviously, there's been decreases and you know maybe some upticks, but not terrible like it used like it was. But you know, looking at it right now, it just thinking about how some of these teams, you know, the, there's a, there's a huge risk and the same thing for California too, you know, with the angels and the Dodgers. I mean, you know, Los Angeles has had to go back on, you know, lockdown rules and stuff like that because they've had upticks again and then big upticks and big spikes. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely nerve wracking for players, you know, like you said, with families, I mean, Mike Trout literally just had a, a, a newborn and, you know, he said that he's literally FaceTimed his wife about 30 times since returning. You know, he's, he's, he's nervous and he has every right to be nervous. You know, you don't want to go back home and, and you just you gave your newborn or your wife, you know, COVID-19. You don't want to do that. And, no. and, the, and the Cardinals, it's concerning because, you know, we don't know who exactly has it, but we know one player on the Cardinals who has it. And it's Yadier Molina. He's one of the you know, he is one of the players who has it. And, and as a catcher, you know, I'm not going to cut you off, but as a catcher, like you're you're next to every single batter and the umpire. Yeah. So think about that too. If Yadier had it and he was if he was playing when it happened, he could have given it to every single hitter and the umpire. Mm-hmm. Imagine the the shit show that could have been. It could have been, and, and you know what? It's 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 definitely upbringing if you can track it early and you can trace it, you can trace it early. And you can put them in quarantine for 14 days or, you know, however long they need to be in it for. But the you freaking know, Marlins, they had four guys. They still played. Yeah. They didn't care. They had four guys playing that day when everything came out. And they were. Like, how, like, how, do you, how do you let that happen? And this is the thing, too, is that the reason why the MLB is looked at as such a joke is, you know, someone said, you know, Manfred isn't even going to punish any of the Marlins, you know, for breaking protocol. And it's like, how? How are you not going to punish them? You know, even though it's. <laughs> You know, you feel bad. I, you know, it sucks they had it and everything. But guess what? You're not going to spread a message if you say to the players, "Yeah, you know what? You broke protocol, but guess what? It's okay." You know, what what mm-hmm. examples is that send to the rest of the league? That hey, if I get coronavirus, but I still go out and play, it's no big deal. I can still go out and play if I'm not feeling mm-hmm. sick. But even though I have it, if I can go and still play, I'm going to go play. It's bad. It's a bad look. Manfred has handled this so poorly too. I agree. I agree. And you look at. Adam Silver, I think he's handled it perfectly, as good as you can. He had Lou Will lead the bubble, and, you know, he, Lou Will did what he wanted to. He came back, quarantined, and that was it, you know? Like, I, you don't have to punish Lou for doing what he wants to do, but, I mean, Adam Silver put him back in the bubble, you know, in his own little self-quarantine, and then once he was good, he's good, you know? It's just – it's – and I don't get – how is it so hard for these baseball players – not to get corona. I mean, you know, I haven't got, I haven't gotten corona. I've been in public. I've been seeing people. Like, where are they going if they're getting corona? Like, are they actually going to bars? Well, like, are you you know, it's crazy because it's it's actually funny you mentioned this. So, uh Jeter, I think did a Zoom thing. I think it was today. He did a Zoom thing today and they were asking him like, you know, what were these players doing? Like, what did they you know, they they're in a hotel in Philadelphia. Where are they going? Like that they need to act like, what is so urgent for them or what was so urgent for them that they felt the need they had to leave their hotel room? And Jeter was giving some answers. And then he was like, and, and people were immediately think, thinking to themselves, like, seriously, that's that's why they had to leave. It was such an urgent matter. They were like, 
oh, uh, they wanted to go get a coffee or they wanted to go get some. Someone said they wanted to go, like Jeter literally said, yeah, one of the players apparently said he wanted to go get some milk or something like. Like what? Like what? What is that? You're like so you're telling me that they are risking their entire lives to go get a cup of coffee, a glass of milk. You're telling me that these players are risking their entire lives, the team's lives, and the entire baseball season's lives for that? You know where they were? They were with Sugar at the club. That's where they were. That's, that's where they were. That's where Lou Will was. That's where Harden wants to be. That's where I bet Bryce Harper went. I you know bet. what? It's, it's crazy, too, because I'm going to say this also. What's, what's absolutely insane to me is there was a, ru- there was a rumor that it wasn't the entire Cardinals team, but it was, it was probably some players – went to wherever they last played. I don't even know where it was that they were last playing, that they had to shut down for a little bit. But one of the problems that they had was apparently a player or two went to a casino. It's, it's like, why, why, are, you why gambling? are you doing that? Bro, you got a million dollars. Yeah. Or why don't you gamble on your phone? Play some CeeLo with your boys in the room. I know. Like, like, what come are you on, doing? Don't, why are you going to go to stupid? a casino? Yeah, I mean, and listen, it's just a rumor. But it's probably what they're saying happened. And it's like, why? You know, and, and I said, and I said this too. You know, I, I, I retweeted this and I said this. And I was like, it's a pretty bad look for the players that the season not only gets canceled because of them, but because they had all of this messages of saying how the owners are this and the commissioner sucks. And, you know, we've, and they had this whole message that they were putting over Twitter of saying, tell us when and where. And when they finally told you when and where, and they gave you all these rules, and they gave you all these protocols, and you still went out and broke them, it looks really bad for the players, too. It looks mm-hmm. extremely bad if it gets canceled because players were too, were just too eager to get out and do something and not be stuck in a hotel room. I mean, listen, I've been, we've been stuck in this situation for, a, for what feels like an eternity so far. We've been yeah. stuck in this situation for literally what feels like an eternity. And you know what? It sucks. But you know what? We got to deal with it. It's just something we have to deal with for hopefully by this time next year, we're able to go to a ballpark and we don't have to, we can get on a ferry or we can get on a train or, you know, be in public around people. And we don't have to worry about walking to the other side of the sidewalk without, you know, worrying if this person is carrying Corona. You know, we don't have to worry about that. We hope. You know what? You know what? Let me be real for a second. Okay. You're, you're you're, You're someone who's in the nurse department. So you uh, give me you give me that take of what you feel. All right, hot take. All right, hot take. I, o- overall, we can say this another day. I know how you feel about politics. I know how you feel about it. Yes. Overall, I'm more conservative than I am liberal. I'm 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 pretty moderate with my life. Okay. I respect, as a I nurse, respect your opinion. I respect your opinion. As a nurse, COVID nineteen is a serious problem for people who have bad immune systems, like older people, people with diabetes. Even people with autism have, have don't have a great immune system compared to us. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know for I don't know how true it is that COVID really damages your immune system and your body when you're because I've heard. So basically, we all know what blood vessels are, right? Yes. I've heard. I've read online from like 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 Bernard Hawkins University that um there was a study done and apparently COVID nineteen damages your blood vessels. And it'll cause like fat deposits to build up, causing atherosclerosis, which is like a very bad thing for your body. Like, it can cause heart attacks and the and um, strokes, mm-hmm. basically. COVID nineteen, there's probably long term effects in your body, and the people that say, "Oh, I'm not wearing a mask," 
I'm gonna go outside in public, do whatever the fuck I want. I see. I'm not gonna lie. I have been to parties. I've been out in public with people that I know that I'm close to. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna go out to a bar or to a restaurant. I'm not trying to go to Florida to a bar or a restaurant and like not wear a mask because I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you do. Yeah, you know, like exactly. you could Corona. Like I know me and my close friends, we wear masks in public, but we're together. We hang out like it's normal. You know, like no, we, when that... I went to the mixer, I went to the mixer knowing that most people there are responsible. Yes. So I know that they're responsible. So I trust the, everyone there. Yeah. But I mean, overall, I don't trust the world. Look at the world right now. I don't trust anyone in this world that's not that I don't know. How can I? Yeah, well, but, yeah. I mean, I'm getting a little off topic. But, no, no, right. no, but listen, you know what? It's, it's something where, you know what? It has to be discussed to a point because it's been something, like I said, we've been dealing with for a while. And we're talking, you know, we talk about how, even though we, this is a podcast about sports, it's something where you have to talk about after a while, because guess what? It's, it's affected everybody. It's not just affected a certain group of people. It's affected everybody. Well, so, let me get my thoughts. Cause I couldn't really get them out. So basically, all right. The, in most countries, COVID's not a worry anymore. Most countries are back to normal. Totally. Like I think New Zealand's good. Most countries are good now. Right. Yes. You know why they're good? Because everyone came together and did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. In the United States right now, we had a chance to get it done in March, in February. Once mid-April rolled around and this thing spread to the entire country, we've totally lost control of the virus. We have no control right now. We have, I think we have more cases right now than we did back in March, which is very scary. But there's, there's still like there's more cases now than there were in March, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it that way, it, it's we're, we're worse than we were at the beginning. So people like I think everyone needs to just like people have been partying their entire life. Why can't you take a couple months off and spend some time with your fucking family, your damn career and mm-hmm. make something of yourself yeah. and just not go out and, and infect everybody? I'm not saying they're totally go quarantine mode but why aren't you taking more time with your family because think about it say if i wore a mask and gloves everywhere i went with my family right yes why can't you see your family every weekend and if they're quarantining too guess what none of you guys will get covid you're closer to your family covid cases will decrease mm-hmm. and just overall like it would be it'd be better if people just didn't go out in public without masks and giant crowds. Restaurants and bars are a no right now. No. Seeing definitely. your family and best friends on the weekend. If you have a party with 20 of your best friends and all you guys are wearing masks and clubs in public, guess what? No one's going to get COVID and you can still get fucked up with your friends like I've been doing. That's why I don't have COVID. My mom doesn't have COVID, thank God. My brother hasn't got it, thank God. That Because we're being responsible. Just be responsible. Don't yeah, be an I, idiot I and a doofus and go to a bar. I totally understand because you know what? It's, it's a crazy thing because, you know, I, I, you know, listen, I definitely, the reason why I didn't go to the party that we, that, you know, our fraternity threw with its sorority, obviously, like you said, everybody's been responsible. There's no doubt about that. Everybody that was probably there has been responsible and everybody, uh, thank God that you all are good. I'm glad. Yeah, you know I, I, I could test the next day. Actually, I was negative. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's the thing. But here's the thing. As long as everybody was safe, everybody is responsible, there's nothing to worry about. You know, for me personally, I'm just the type of person who, you know what, even though I definitely could be, could definitely go out, I'm sure, you know, I've been starting to hang out with my friends more. My parents, 
you know, my parents, you know, a month or two ago, they wouldn't let me do that stuff. You know, two or three months I mean, ago. That's understandable. It, it, it was because it was, at, it was at its peak. It was really bad here. You know, New mm-hmm. York City is definitely something where even though we still definitely have most cases per se, we've gotten better. We've definitely improved a lot. And, and I think whenever our second wave comes around, if, if you know, if it, if it isn't here already or if we're still because technically we're still in the first one, you know, which is scary because the first wave started months ago and it's still happening. And, you know, if we get a second wave, I think we'll be better. I, I like to believe we'll be better. But I think it's just it's crazy to think that with your friends, we, we're definitely a lot more responsible. You know, I, I go out with my friends that. I know they've been, they haven't done anything. You know, I I have friends who literally, I have a friend who literally has been, you know, some people, I have friends that literally haven't left their house at all. You know, that literally have been inside since March. And, you know, I finally, Mm -hmm. if you text one of them saying, hey, are you, are you free to do something? And if they say, "Um, yeah, sure, I'm not doing anything. Because that's the thing too, is it, it makes you realize that finally, when you go outside, and you realize that the world is so much different than it was six months ago, it, it makes you have this total different perspective on the world too. I mean, the same thing with watching baseball and all these different sports leagues coming back, you know, with there being no fans, I always just imagine to myself when there's a big moment in a game right now, I think to myself, what if fans were allowed in, in arenas right now? You know, mm-hmm. what would the, the crowds would be going crazy. They'd be going nuts. And, it, and, and all we've had to do is just think about what it's like at home. We've had to so, experience it at home. So here's here's a stat right here for you. All regions of the, of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the peak from March to like May was thirty four thousand on April twenty fifth. Okay. Right, thirty four thirty four thousand new cases came up on April twenty fifth. Yeah, which was guess, when it was really bad. Guess what? The new most cases has been this summer in the United States. It's definitely in one, in one day. Definitely, in one it, day. it's definitely been over forty five thousand in one day. Try adding thirty thousand. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's that's so, not good. It shouldn't be that bad right now in so July or August, July seventeenth. Right July seventeenth, seventy five thousand new cases. Eighteenth. 65,000 new cases. That's a home, over 100,000 new cases in the span of two days across the entire country. Mm-hmm. This country has 300 million people, a little more. I think 313 million people. That's like, you know, that's like a tenth of a percentage. That's a lot of people, you know? Like, people say, like, like I'm not trying to compare this. Like, I, I don't want to get off topic, but, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, tragedies in, like, this, like, some in history. You know, we're getting, like, so many cake deaths. It's, like, one of the worst things that happened in this country's history. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's people – so many people have – over 100 – 150,000 people have died. Like, I think less people died in, like, most wars that we've had in this as a country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really fucking scary. Like – No, it's see. it's a scary – it's a scary time. And, I mean, my cousin – my cousin in New Jersey. I mean, he he lives in a little town in a little town in Jersey, and you know there was a bunch of people who, you know, had a lot. They didn't just party. You know, we, that's the thing too. That's why partying for me is a little bit scary for me right now. Is because my cousin had friends who he didn't go to the parties, but he had friends that went to the parties, and and about forty of them, fifty of them tested positive. And mm-hmm. the the scare. He said the scariest thing about that is those people that went to those parties. Like you said, you know, you think about. You don't want to be around people where you have no idea where these people have been. Yeah. I've gone outdoor dining once. 
and it was probably the scariest fucking thing in the world. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's sc- not it's gonna not gonna lie. It's it's a very scary thing to do because you know no masks are required when you go out to outdoor dining. You know these people look at you and they say you don't gotta wear a mask. But it's like I'm I'm terrified right now. Even when I went to the beach, I wore a mask the entire time. And you know so, it's it, it's it's it sounds weird, but you know what? I don't like you said. I don't know where any of these people been. Mm-hmm. If you know where people have been, it's like it's it's like it's like sex, you know, like sex without a condom. I don't know where you've been. I'm like condom, like yeah. It's it's like you know it's it's scary. You gotta you, you gotta have protection. Condom, mask, same shit, different day. I I I know, and and it's that's the scariest thing. You don't fucking know where these people have been. If these so... people have been, if these people, that's and this is where I'm gonna get back on the topic of baseball and everything like that with sports. If these people. Well, stay safe. Stay in your hotel room. You know what? It sucks. I, I get it. It's, I, I, you know what? I, you know what? We say we don't get it because obviously we don't even have half the money that these people have combined all together on a baseball team, an NBA team, or an NHL team. But you know what? These people, guess what? We're all human, and we all have to deal with the same exact shit that we've had to go through since March. Mm-hmm. When everything shut down back in March, it was literally like being in a movie. When everything shut down, Staten Island that we live in and New York City as a whole that we live in and the entire world changed basically forever, in my opinion, because now people are going to be totally different now. You know, this is the one thing that I said months ago. I said this uh, months ago when the world is eventually back to, you know, normal. I'm putting normal in quotes. You know, are people going to actually stay sanitized? Are people going to be more healthy with their life choices and their hygiene still? They should. I mean, they should, they should. As a nurse, I know how I, I mean, as a 20 year old, like I know I don't have to take the best care of my body, but I try to work out every day. I try to eat healthy every day, drink water, less soda. Um, stress is another big one. I mean, I smoke every now and then, but you know, like not the worst thing in the world for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just things you have to care of your body, no, your body, you your body's a temple. Take care of it. You know, you get in what you put out. You know, it's, it's that simple. So wait, I want to tell you some stats real quick. Okay. All right. 116,000 total deaths in World War One. COVID has 159,000. Yeah. If you combine the deaths of Americans only from World War One and the Korean War, the United States has more. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, COVID has more. COVID has more deaths. That's to World War One and Korean War. Vietnam had 58,000 deaths. Korean, 36,000 deaths. World War I, 116,000. COVID, 159,000. That's not even going to go down. It's not. It's going to go over a quarter million probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think by, I would say by the end of September, beginning of October, we have, we have over 205,000 cases, I'd say. And, and uh, World uh, War deaths, I should say. I isn't it sad how we're chasing World War Two? World War Two total Americans dead. 40 405,000. Mm-hmm. We're chasing that. We're chasing it. We're getting there. We're almost halfway there. And I don't think life will be normal until next spring. That's what I yeah, think, my 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 family's been saying that to at least next spring. I think March 2021 we will be back to normal. I mean, I but guess, until what, then, yeah. I don't see how we don't pass 200,000 deaths. Oh yeah, I mean we're 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 at a, I mean I mean we're at a very very bad 
bad point right now in time where mm-hmm. we're seeing we're seeing just you know i and this is the thing too is you know i i not not to get political in this sense but this is where my politics are going to come out we're we're seeing a bad leadership right now in the country that we live in you know everybody everybody now i'm not saying that i'm going to sit here and say you know you don't want to compare and contrast countries people are looking at us and thinking to themselves what the fuck are they doing well, Mexico's had a bad too. Mexico has yeah. Not, not saying, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, we're the only worst country because obviously there's been, you know, there's been just as worse countries that uh, us really were. But we're the leading. We're in my opinion the leading example of you know like what not to do. There are literally people. I mean, we. I talked to Niklas a few weeks ago. You know, he's How's in he doing? He's in Germany. You know, obviously he's back in Germany, but he's doing. He's doing fine. You know, he's um, he's saying that he's just been, you know, staying safe and everything like that. And, and he said to me, he was like, you know, people, people here in Europe and in Germany, we're looking at you guys and literally laughing at you guys. Like, I hope you know that. And I was like, I'm, I'm not surprised. That's what he said to me. He said, I'm not. He literally said, I'm not surprised that that, you know, I said to him, I'm like, I'm not surprised that people are like looking at us and thinking like that we're doing a terrible job because we are. You know, a thousand people a day in in August shouldn't this shouldn't still be happening. We shouldn't no. still be having over a thousand deaths a day, but we are. Yeah, and and it's it's scary to think that that's what's happening. And and I and I don't I don't like that that's what's happening to us. I I want us to go in a in a good direction. And I thought a few weeks ago, you know, I thought, okay, there's definitely been a decrease in cases and in debts, you know, this is good. You know, there's obviously what we want, but then all of a sudden now we're looking at it again and we're just thinking to ourselves, you know, what's happening, you know? And, and, and this is the thing too, is we're not going to be allowed indoor dining until June at the very earliest. We're mm-hmm. looking at June at the earliest to go back inside a restaurant to eat. You know, I really, I really, I'm sorry. You talking? Yeah, no, no, I really just don't know what's going to happen with that. You know, I, I, I really want there. I, I hope that we get to a point where we're looking at, you know, maybe we go into restaurants again by maybe April or May. I hope we can. I don't want to, you know, because it sucks that, you know, you, you're so used to taking, you're going out with your family for a birthday or, you know, just a, a celebratory dinner or just a date night. And now it's like, you don't you don't know what to do now you you literally got nothing to do i mean me and my girlfriend we we grub hub mcdonald's every time we see each other now basically and we yeah. used to we used to spend we sometimes used to spend friday nights or saturday nights you know you know going out to eat you know we, we had a spot that we went to almost you know if we had nowhere else to eat we you know we wanted to pick places to go but if we had nowhere else to go we would pick one spot every saturday night that we would go to and that was our spot and now we can't go there until god knows when it's terrible. And I mean, just looking at all these stats, thousands of people are dying. It's just insane. And not, I mean, I, I am a Trump fan. I do, I do like Donald Trump mm-hmm. more than like I would another candidate. But I mean, I just, as a nurse and as a person, I just don't see how he said COVID was a hoax and how there's nothing to worry about. Even Fauci said at first, COVID is nothing to worry about. But things changed, and Fauci was trying to warn us, I think. I, I, I haven't seen the quotes, but I just remember a lot of people saying, this guy Fauci is what he was talking about, and then COVID happens. And I just remember Trump saying, like, 
like I, I, I follow him on Instagram, and I think it was like a few weeks ago he finally said to wear your mask, and I'm like, oh my god, it's too it little, too late at this point. It, yeah, it took it took that many deaths. Like I, 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 if I could vote, I would vote for Trump, but the mask thing, I just, I just can't believe it took you that long to defend the masks. You know, and like I said before, I'm all for partying with some people that you know. But going out in public, I'm sorry, you're a fucking idiot. If you have a family member that is like, you know, if you see your grandma after going to a big time party, like you're just an inconsiderate asshole who has no idea what the fuck COVID's about. Yeah, you know, like, you know, one percent death rate. I, I'm I wouldn't risk my family's life for that. No, I you would know? never. I I'm would not never. about that. I mean, this is the thing, too. I mean, we talk about, you know, I, I think back then I definitely didn't understand. I, I definitely wasn't, you know, thinking straight about this. And I can give my give credit now to my parents for, it. you know, my, my girlfriend's dad has a lot of health problems. You know, a lot of, you know, pe- some people in my girlfriend's family, they some of them have, you know, some could have, you know, potential health problems that I didn't know about. And, you know, if I never knew about it, I would have I could have given them to, given it to them and not know about it. And. It's a scary thing. It's a fucking scary thing that you could give it to someone like my girlfriend and she could pass it to someone who has an, a compromised immune system. And it's like they, they have a low chance by that point. And, and it's something that I never gave enough credit to my parents, you know, for stopping me from doing that. You know, I got mad at the fact that I couldn't see her, that I went literally almost three months without seeing her. And, you know, it took it takes a toll on you mentally because you think to yourself, like, you almost think you're never going to you almost think to yourself, you're never going to fucking see her again, basically, or you're never going to see her family again. It takes a toll on you mentally. You know, the whole coronavirus has taken a toll on people mentally because people are just they want to go outside. And I Mm -hmm. I get it. I I understand completely. I mean, I walk I you know, the beginning of the lockdown, what I was doing a lot was I was taking walks around my neighborhood. I mean, I would, I would just take walks around just because just I wanted to see, you know, what everything was like. I was curious to know if, if things were, how different things were. And I would walk down Richmond Avenue. I would literally walk from my house all the way to the Staten Island Mall. And it's a, it's a far walk, but it was a walk that I was just curious about. And I literally felt like I was living in a movie, basically. Mm. I felt like I was you know, just living at a point in time where that I never thought I'd live in in my entire life. I mean, we've had to deal with so many diseases in the world, you know, and there's still diseases in the world that have affected a lot of people in other countries that have just not affected us. Coronavirus, in my opinion, it's still, in my opinion, to the American people, it's still not a fucking wake up call to them. It's still not. Some people people, just don't care. Like some people. That's the problem is that some people just don't care. I'm literally reading it right now from Hackensack Meridian Health. Um, 75% of people studied who had recently recovered from COVID um, showed abnormal heart findings, including inflammation in the heart, which can lead to long-lasting cardiac disease and failure. Mm-hmm. Some people who recovered from COVID had still had their dry cough. Um, some people who have reported symptoms like, wait, what is it? Okay. Yeah, after recovering from COVID, they have reported symptoms of headache, dizziness, Trouble recalling things and even hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, we know a guy, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, a, a young, healthy pitcher for the Red Sox. I, I think, I don't know how old he is. I actually wanted to get into that with you because that reminds me of him. 
Yeah. Um, he's a young pitcher. and, and 27 years old. Never had myocarditis. Yeah, never had any health issues before this. That's another so, big thing, too. Never had a health issue before this. For those of you that don't know, I have to know this as a nurse, but myocarditis is like, it's the inflammation of, like, your heart. And it can affect, like, so your heart's a muscle, and it, it can, like, affect, like, the heart muscles, it affects, like, the ability for it to pump, and it becomes abnormal. And when your heart's abnormal, it's called, like, arrhythmias, like, arrhythmias, it's like a way, it's like abnormal, like, heart rhythms, basically, and you can't breathe, you know, and it's just, and, like, he was pitching on the mound, and he was warming up to play baseball, and he couldn't breathe, and they had to take him to the hospital. And sure enough, he had myocarditis. And I mean, like it can, it can, you can recover from this, but how is he going to mentally recover from this as like a person and as a baseball player, you know, and not that's to mention, so hard to come back from. Yeah. And not to mention, we talk about baseball players who had Corona and had it bad. I mean, one, another example is, is definitely Freddie Freeman. Freddie yeah, Freeman had a, had a temperature they're saying of like a hundred and he had a temperature of 104, 105 even the most. And he has kids. And he has, kids. Yeah, he has kids and he has a wife. And, 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 the, and he literally said he thought he was going to die. He, he said that he was in his bed. You know, he's sweating. He's got this terrible headache. He's coughing. He literally said that he just he at one point literally was in his bed or wherever he was. And he just prayed. He was like, please, God, like, don't take me. Now, I'm obviously, saying, Freeman, now, obviously Freeman's, playing, Freeman's playing again, and it's, and it's great that he's playing again. He looks good. He honestly, he looks great. He looks like a million bucks right now. Some people, this is the thing that's craziest. Some people are going to recover, and they're going to look like a million bucks, and, and some people are going to recover, and they're going to have lingering issues from this thing. And I'm not saying, like, you know, obviously, it's not a guaranteed death. You're not going to die from it, probably. You know, or obviously, 1% of the people die. But as, like, a person... Like, can't you just, you know, be more safe? Because think about it, the best case scenario of you wearing a mask is saving someone's life. Mm-hmm. No, that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is you die. You have myocard- You have these long-lasting effects. Why can't you just play it more safe and just wait for it to pass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you really have to go to a fucking bar? Haven't you been to a bar your whole life? Like, you can't just not do that. Like, you can't just be more responsible and. It's just it's just so frustrating. I don't see any idiots. And I think they don't care. The thing about it too, you know, and there's a new there's a new interview with Donald Trump that was on HBO Max and it, and it aired and 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 it's just an interview where you know the everybody the the interviewer is basically saying to him he was like your supporters like they follow you like no matter what and this is a problem too is. People follow, in my opinion, Trump way too much that it's like it's it's they're like sheep to him, basically. You know, they they listen to him way too much. And, you know, I'm I'm glad that we can have this conversation and, 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 you know, we can we don't have to be at each other's throats like a lot of people are with politics now. No, it's disgusting. No, it's it's stupid to be at each other's throats. And obviously I can say the same thing about like there's people who follow Trump like idiots and people who follow Biden and Clinton like idiots. There's idiots on both sides of the spectrum. You know, like, obviously, some are too far left. Some are too far right. Like, Nancy Pelosi, she's a fucking idiot. Trump, I mean, I like Trump, but I think some of the stuff he says is a little stupid sometimes. But overall, I think he's a good guy. Biden, not getting into that. Mm-hmm. Clinton, let's not get into that. But there's there's people on both sides that are, are smart and have legitimate points about these things. 
but obviously they don't get reported enough. You know, mm-hmm. like they, they, it's not, it's not fair. You know, people just want to see news ratings and people arguing. That's all the rave these days. They just want to see their side win. The other side looks like an idiot. They don't care about meeting in the middle. People don't want to compromise anymore, and it's really sad. You know, I try to compromise with everything I do. You know, obviously you can't get your way 100% of the time. And obviously people are so liberal, so conservative that they don't they don't see the the greater good of meeting in the middle and agreeing to disagree or like, you know, coming to an agreement that's fair for everybody. You know, it's it's really just a sad. It's a sad. It's yeah, no, it's, it's it's it sucks. It's so bad. No, it's, 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 I, I, I can't help but agree with you in a sense because, you know, we – we're living in a time where, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not, you know, even though I consider myself a Democrat, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, definitely a liberal, I, 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 I definitely am not going to sit here and tell you that I agree with every single Democratic point or I agree with every single Democratic leader. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't fully agree with everything Nancy Pelosi says or Chuck Schumer says. I definitely am not that type of person who's like, yeah, these people are amazing. They're fucking awesome and everything like that. And I'm going to listen to every single point they say. I'm definitely not that type of person at all, you know, and, and I think, you know, and, and the same thing, you know, I'm, I'm definitely never going to agree with some Republican stances and everything like that. And, you know, that's just that's just my political thinking. And that's just how I feel about it personally. You know, I look personally for me, my opinion is I look at someone like Donald Trump and I literally say to myself, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, that's that's just my that's just my take on it is I look at him as someone where I just say, you know, what what are we doing? Like and and where and, and the thing about it is, you know, even though I don't support Donald Trump during this pandemic, you know, there are some people who literally didn't want him to do good because they think that that'll obviously sink his poll numbers and everything like that. And, you know, I'm the type of person who even though I hate Donald Trump, you know, I I still wanted him to lead us in this sense. You know, I still wanted him to help us, you know, and I, and I feel like he kind of just gave up on us. That's as dumb as a Yankee fan saying, I hate A-Rod, I hope he does bad. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? He's on our, like, I remember as a kid, I know, I remember, like, like there were times on the radio people would say, like, I hope A-Rod is terrible. He's a cheater. It's like, who cares? He's wearing your jersey. Trump's wearing your country's flag right now. You mm-hmm. gotta root for him. O- Obama didn't want to do it, but I mean, I remember when Trump first got elected. Uh, him and Obama had like a big time meeting. It was it was very popular, and it's like, what? Do you not expect Obama to like tell him everything he needs to know? Like you're rooting for him to do bad, so you're rooting for your country to do bad. So ultimately, you will do bad. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like you know, why? you think about you think about it too. You think about you know, just everything that's happened, you know, like I, I, like I said, I said to myself, you know, back when this thing was really starting to happen, you know, and he was calling it a hoax and everything like that. And, and once he called it a hoax in my own head, I was like, Oh my God, like we're totally fucked. Like at that time I was like, I, I don't want to be fucked, but we might be screwed. We really might be screwed if, if this actually goes really, really bad for us. And, and, you know, I, I, I can't help but think to myself, you know, it, it, this this could definitely be a reason, you know, I'm even though I'm I, I'm supporting Joe Biden for this and I'll vote for him in this election. You know, I definitely would I have picked him as the Democratic candidate. No, I wouldn't have picked him. But guess what? No. It's what happened. It's it is what it is. You know, it, it's it is what it is. And that's who he, Yang. What is it? Yang. You should have Yang. 
I don't I, really I like agree that. with that, but you know, that wouldn't have been my pick either. But guess what? Like I said, it is what it is. It's it is what it is. Democratic and that's the candidate. He's the candidate and and, and everybody's gotta support him. That's the thing too that people that's so fucking stupid in my opinion about the country too, is even with the Democrats, when someone like you know, there were so many Bernie supporters and Elizabeth Warren supporters and, and Joe Biden supporters that it's like the people that don't want to vote for Joe Biden, it's like, okay, you fucking hate Donald Trump but you don't want to vote for Joe Biden. I, I don't know what to tell you then. Guess what then? Then that means that Trump's going to get another four years. You don't like mm-hmm. him. I understand you don't like Joe Biden and I understand you wanted another Democratic candidate to win, but that's your sole reason for not wanting to vote Donald Trump out even though you say you fucking hate him? I don't know what to mm-hmm. tell you then. I, I, then that, that's the point where I say to myself, you know what? You did it to yourself then. I don't, want, I don't want Donald Trump to win another four years in office, but guess what? If he wins another four years, it's something we're literally going to have to deal with. And And it's something I'll have to deal with. It's something you'll have to deal with. And my entire family will have to deal with. And the entire country will have to deal with. And if he and, and I will never. And that's the thing, too, is like you said, why would you root for someone to do bad? If he's wearing your jersey, if he's representing your country, why are you going to root for him to do bad? You know what I say to that? If Trump gets elected again, I can only hope that he leads us in the right direction. That's all I, I can hope, hope he's the best president ever. That's, that's the all thing. you can hope I for. Want, you know what? I don't. You know what? That's the thing. I want him to be, I would want him to be good just so he can prove to people and prove to me too, like prove to me that you can lead us. Prove to Mm -hmm. me that you can be a good person and a good candidate. You know, I'm not going to sit here and and badmouth the guy. All I can sit here and badmouth him all I want and how much I complain about him. But at the end of the day, you know what I say to myself all the time? Just, just lead us in the right direction. I mean, we're looking at so many deaths because of just, you know, a lack of responsibility and, and telling, you know, even telling the people that he doesn't take responsibility at all for anything that's happened. It's a it's a very bad look for the people of the of the country, too. And, and all across the world, people are like I said, people will just look at us and think, you know, what what is happening? You can love Trump all you want. You can love everyone as much as you want, but you can't deny that. uh I mean, like we said about Nick Loss, I know there's a lot of countries out there just looking at America like, what the fuck? Like, as good as we are, like, we're always going to be, like, one of the best countries because just because of, like, how much of a powerhouse we are. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I've always seen this post on Instagram a lot lately, and it's, like, saying America is a third-world country wearing a Gucci belt. I Which, I mean, to an extent, I, I agree with that. It's, like, you know... Like, yeah, we're really rich. We have re- we're really advanced compared to everybody else. But, I mean, why so many COVID deaths? Why couldn't we get this under control faster? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, people say, oh, 1% of death rate. You know, fuck that. It's like, yeah, 1%, 1% of death rate. One out of 100 people will die. You might know that person. You know, who the fuck knows? And that's you know? the thing, too, is I think about, you know, like I said about the country being different, like, six months ago. I mean... I, I look back on our on, on my Snapchat memories and I think back to when we were just starting off the semester and and we were literally in classes. We were we were doing stuff for our fraternity. We were going to Jade. We were throwing mixers and stuff like that. And we were having fun. I, I, I mean, I can always remember the first and second rush mixer of the of the semester. Oh, and there I, were some more mixers. Yeah. I mean, that was a little mixer we had. Yeah. Like those were great parties that we threw. You know, we had so much fun. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, too, like. Like that was going to be my first full semester as a brother. And I was going to be able to experience all this stuff and it got cut short. And, you know, you know, we can only hope, you know, I, I do want to have 
a, a rush this semester. And I, and I want to be able to do what we did last semester and the semester before when I was just a pledge. I want to do all this stuff again. I want to be able to experience all that stuff. But you know what? And it sucks if we're not able to because of this thing. And, and it's and like you said, it could have been under, it literally could have been under control back in like January, February. Maybe we definitely would have still had to experience a little bit of a lockdown. But like you said earlier, you know, some countries, it's literally old news now, coronavirus. It's something where countries are experiencing just normalcy. I mean, you talk about New Zealand, New Zealand, literally, they not only are just totally abandoned social distancing measures because they barely have coronavirus cases anymore. I mean, they have sports arenas filled up with fans Mm -hmm. and going crazy. And there's no mask. There's no social distancing because they don't have to worry about it anymore. They won't let us. They won't even let us there. We couldn't go there if we tried. That's you know, so like, that kind of goes to show how far behind we really are. That countries don't want us. Yeah. They don't want us going to their countries because they don't know what we carry. Like you say, you don't know where we've been, and we don't even want to risk where you've been. We don't even want to know where you've been. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just a whole shit show at this point. And I just, oh, man, I don't even know. I'm over it by this point. I really am. Yeah, me too. I think we're all over it. And And you know what? Like I said. I'm going to say it again. I'm a broken record with it. But guess what? It's just something we have to deal with. And and I I know that we've definitely gotten off topic. But you know what? It's something, it's something where I'm going to say to the people listening to this, you know, whether you like it or not, we have to we have to talk about this at some point. I understand yeah, that sports. No I understand that sports are definitely our escape. You know, for me especially, it was definitely an escape, and not having it on for months was a very, very different time and a, and a difficult time too because you just are kind of looking at ESPN. You're hoping for highlights. You're trying to look for, you're turning on the MLB network and the NHL, NBA, NFL network and they're just replaying old games and you're like, wow, like that was fun when this game happened, you know, six, seven years ago, but you know, I want something new now. I want to yeah. something new. I want to watch actual highlights of the game that happened last night or earlier today. I don't want to watch a highlight of a game that happened a few months ago or years ago or two decades ago. I don't want to watch any of that stuff. You know, I want to watch a real game. And and when the first game of the baseball season came on, it was literally like, and when Giancarlo Stan hit his two-run shot, it was literally like, oh, my God, there's magic. There's, there's yeah. baseball. There's actual sports. There's it something was, being played. Oh, uh, man, I – it's just, yeah, like when that, when that first came on, I, would, I couldn't have been more shocked. Like, wow, no. Yankees baseball is playing right now. And, I, like, we're at the center of retention. Yeah, retention. I That's couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. And it's just, it was just so good to know that there was sports being played. And and to know that we've had, just just to know that we've been able to have that back. And, and you don't know now. And that's the thing, too, is it sucks because we talked earlier about, you know, before we got into this whole big topic, we, we discussed about if we think there's a chance that coronavirus cancels the season. And I, I always say to myself, every time I watch a Yankee game now, I think to myself, this is the last time we're playing. Like, this is it. After this game, we're done. Like, I don't think we're playing again after today. And yeah. every time that we play a new game, I think the exact same thing. And I'm not going to think about it. If we finish the season, that's when I'll stop thinking about it. But until then, with everything going on right now, I mean, you can only hope that there's a decrease in MLB cases with coronavirus. You hope that after Friday, there's no worries anymore, that no team 
starting now, no team has to worry about an outbreak among their team. You hope that players and coaches and everybody will follow protocol and stay safe, stay in your hotel room, you know, stay in your own home. If you're, you know, wherever you are, just stay inside, wear a mask. If you have to, if you social distance, social distance, you know, it's, it's a problem that's happened in the United States for months now, and it's not going away anytime soon. It's not, it's, it's definitely not going to go away. It's not going to go away tomorrow. It's not going to go away the next day, the next week or the next month. And, and it's just something that we'll have to deal with, but we'll deal with it. And, and, you know, we'll prevail. I know we'll prevail. I know that we'll all get out of this alive and, and well. I just really, 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 really hope that within the next few months, we truly see a decrease in everything and we can start going outside again without having to worry about, you know, getting it. And, and, it's and you know that's the thing too is walking outside even for just a few minutes you, you you feared it so much in the beginning of all this you had no idea what was going on I mean it, it really started to hit me and, and it really started it it started to really scare the shit out of me when everything shut down when sports shut down that's yeah. when it started to scare the shit out of me is when everything was you know going was going really bad and and I think you know, it made me really scared for a while. And, it, and I'm not going to lie. It still, it still scares me. It still scares me, you know, even going out with some friends that even though I know they've been responsible, you know, I, I still, I still say to them, I'm like, you've been good, right? Like you have, like you feel fine. I literally say that to them every single time I'm with them. I'm like, you feel fine, right? Like you don't feel sick. You don't feel anything wrong. And they're like, no, I feel totally fine. I'm like, okay, good. Like, as long as you feel fine, that's all I need to know. And and as long as everybody is just staying safe, as long as everybody is being okay, that's all we can hope for. And, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably just end the episode uh, here, you know, very soon because, you know, and, it, and it's okay to definitely get off topic, even though this is a sports show, it's okay to get off topic about this stuff because it's affected, like I said, I, I've said this since the first episode I did is that it's literally affected everybody and it's affecting us. Or every single day still, you know, if you if you go outside, wear a mask, be safe, you know, wash your hands, everything like that. Sanitize yourself. If you go out somewhere, you know, first thing I always do when I get home from work or I'm out somewhere with friends, the first thing I do is I jump in the shower. You know, I immediately clean myself off, you know, just to make sure I'm fine. And I, and I go head to toe and washing down every part of my body, making sure that everything's fine. And, you know, if you go outside and you wear a mask you'll be fine. Social distance, you know, everything like that, you know, have hand sanitizer with you at all times. If you have to now just be safe, be healthy, everything like that. You know, it's, it's, it's all I can say. So I'm going to definitely end the episode here. Jay, it was really nice having you on again. I'm glad that we did this again, you know, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was, I'm, I'm glad you had on, I'm glad we got into to the topic of everything like that. You know, I'm glad we can have a respected conversation. You know, some people can't nowadays without arguing or going on each other's throats. So I'm glad that we were able to have a respectful conversation about this stuff. You know, oh, always. all right. So I'll definitely talk to you soon. I'll let you know when the episode goes up. Uh, we hope mm-hmm. you all enjoyed this episode and we will all speak to you next time. Next time, Black Lives Matter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, be good. For all right, be good. 
Hey guys, so I really hope that you enjoyed that episode of Sports with Phil. This is just something that I really want to say really fast. I understand that we definitely got a little bit out of context and definitely off topic. We definitely didn't get to discuss every single topic that we wanted to talk about. But here's the thing. Coronavirus is definitely a deadly disease. It's a very serious thing. As I said towards the end of that episode, please take it seriously. I mean, honestly, it's something that's affected a lot of people's lives. You know, it could be your life. It's even affected if you're listening right now. Please take it seriously. Go out When you go outside, wear a mask. If you're with your own friends, still wear a mask if you can. If you know where they've been and you think it's safe, then you definitely take that own risk inside your own hands. You know what? It's just still a scary time to live in right now. Hopefully, we can go back to normalcy soon. I really hope so. I want to go back to normal soon, and I know that you do too. Please, everyone, be safe, and that's all I'm going to tell you.